Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday Nightmares podcast, episode nine. I can't believe we're almost to our uh, big milestone of 10 episodes. Um, but I am your host, Scott Crawford, recording from his basement in Swartz Creek, Michigan. And with me, as always, is my lovely co-host. From the north, Heather Powell, recording from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on this beautiful, warm June day and nine episodes in. Are we at the same amount for podcast by the cemetery yet? Uh, one more episode and we will be there. Uh, what about horror drunks, which is both this was Scott's previous life. These were the podcasts that he rolled with. Yep, the horror drunks, we actually got uh, into the 20s. Did you? Well, yeah, hopefully like we were putting support. out content quite a bit for a while there. Nice. Well, you probably drank a lot when you did it, so that probably was a good reason to get together. <laughs> yeah, sure did. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, happy to be at episode number nine with you, Scott. Um, yeah, it's gone. It's been an interesting ride, and uh, hopefully, this choo-choo train keeps going. We keep coming up with new concepts and. We keep modifying our show, and I think we've learned a lot. I was actually listening to one of our past episodes, because I like to listen to clips just to figure out how I can improve and yeah, you know what I can do better as a podcaster. And I, I even from episode three to now, we've come a long way. Oh, yeah. we have. Like, I think, I think the whole, like, us learning how to record online together after, after COVID happened and putting out content more often, because, you know, we were at the point we were just doing once a month. Mm -hmm. um, so us putting content out every two weeks now I think it's just the practice has really helped and we've learned a lot and we listen to other shows too so we like pick up on ideas from them too yeah absolutely you're 100% right we really have beginning to um, hone our craft a little bit more you had a lot more experience than I did coming into this mind you um, I'm still a newbie but I think I've done pretty good um, it's gonna oh, be a year amazing. just over a year now that I've been podcasting so yeah, and you've done, you've come a long way and done amazing. So, and I will have to say, like, I, I was come more with the other, with the other podcasts, you know, they were re movie review stuff. So doing the whole uh, research and theme ideas now, instead of like actually reviewing movies, that took some getting used to for me. Like I wasn't used to that type of deal. And I feel like I've gotten better as I've, as we've progressed as well. Yeah, I think it's it's a tough thing, but we needed to do something different because I, I agreed with another podcaster said once there's too many podcasts. And I think if everyone just keeps reviewing movies, you know, as we talked about before, there's people that already do it very well. And I think it's important to be different. I think it's important to bring a different flair to things. And, you know, for however long this ride goes for, we're going to definitely enjoy it. And and live every moment of it and keep watching these 2020 films because our watch list is climbing. Oh my gosh. We have, well, we can talk about it already, but I have already surpassed the amount of new watches that I did last year. And last year was my record, which was 50 2019 horror films. And now I'm at 64 already. And it's not even halfway through the year yet. You know, it's funny. I only watched, I think, 25 movies last year that were 2020 films. And up to that or point... 2019? Oh, sorry. Yeah, 2025. Yeah, I went ahead in the future. Um, but 
when I when I think about the twenty five the twenty five films I watched, they were all theatrical theatrical releases. None of them, no, that's not true. A couple were Netflix. So I watched The Perfection, and I think there was another one I watched that was oh, um, Velvet Budsaw that was on Netflix as well. Yep, and then Lords and, of Chaos and The Night and Oh yeah, Fire Lords. Yes, yeah, so those. Um, but that was more or less because I met you and and you kind of exposed me to those. Like I don't think I would have watched them or even heard about them to be honest with you. Otherwise, um. Now I watch a lot more international films, a lot of French films, Spanish films. I watched my first Arabic film this week as well. Same here. Yeah, it was it was which was fucking phenomenal. What a great film. Yeah, that we'll was get into that. Yeah, very shortly here. <laughs> yeah. Um so, you know, it's it's nice and it has really broadened my perspective and knowledge and you know, it I still would never cut up somebody if they don't do that. I think that's their jam and you know, you do you. But I, for me the growth that i've gotten from it and being able to understand what goes into making a movie i have so much more appreciation like it just it really just helps open up your eyes to everything that's out there it absolutely does and yeah just with the especially the volume of movies that we have watched in this year like i already had an appreciation for a lot of this stuff beforehand because i've seen quite a bit of movies Mm -hmm. through podcasting and just on my own but like now i'm for you know going and trying to find films I've either missed out on or things that I've like just been curious about and just throw it on now and have no qualms and now I'm just like learning more and more than I thought I would. Absolutely right no it's been it's been good and I think that's a good thing about 2020 because I think it's very easy to uh, shit all over 2020 and it's been a rough go Um, and I think the only thing that I would like to share with my Americans, brothers and sisters is that I think it's great. Certain things have come to light this week or the last week that has been going on for over 200 years. And yep. I think it's very important more than anything that everybody enacts their voices this November and votes. Um, I think if we want to be see real change, you need to be the real change. And it's, and it comes from more than just sharing, sharing on social media and it comes from more from just talking about it. It, it comes to action. So yeah. I'm hopeful for my American friends that uh, they all go out and vote for, is, I, do you guys still have primaries? Is that still happening? Uh, yep. Uh, okay. We are, the Michigan already had their primaries. Okay. Okay. So for any states that have remaining primaries and then is it, if like I, because we don't have primaries in Canada, we just have like a voting day and you go and vote. But what's what would be November considered for the presidential election? Is that just called the presidential election? I think so. Yes. Okay. I think that's the actual term. Okay. So, you know, hopefully everyone exercised that right, and um, we can be the change that we're advocating with our with our lips, with our actions. Yep. Because I will be there soon as the ballot doors are open. Oh, good for you. I'm always, I'm always pleased when I hear people voting across everywhere because, you know, it's a privilege to vote in a democratic oh, society, is. right? So that's very exciting. So that's, uh, I think that's all we're going to stay on that. And we're just going to get into movies unless you wanted to add anything, Scott. Uh, no, I say I think we can just jump right into the what we've been watching segment. Excellent. So I think the first movie we're, I'm seeing on our list here, Think. I know the first lady movie I'm seeing on the list here is 122, which is available on Netflix. And, yes. or I guess 122, I guess you could say 122, 122. And it is an Arabic horror film, kind of like a slasher. And I loved this film. I don't have my letterbox in front of me, but I think it's number three for me right now. Yeah, I think that's um, what you told me it was. Yeah. And I, what a wild ride from start to finish. And it's, there's the one actor in it, one of the doctors looked really familiar to me. Like, 
I feel like I've seen him in other stuff and I looked him up and I didn't really recognize any of the films that he was a main actor in, but he maybe had some side roles in American films that I've seen him in, but wow, like what a, what a fast paced, great slasher like movie. What did you think? Oh, I had a blast with this one. Um, like, cause you know, you told, you watched it first and then told me you need to see this like as soon as you can. So I, like, think it was that exact same night I jumped on and checked it out. And yeah, I didn't know what to expect. I read no synopsis. You didn't really tell me much about it. Like, just accept that it was really good. And so I went in completely blind and just had a fun time with this film. Like, I was really impressed with the, the acting, especially from the two main leads. Like, you really felt for them. And like, you were, you know, their, their uh, chemistry together really worked well. And you know, everything that goes on between the two of them and the stuff they have to deal with, like, yeah, really, really well-made film. And like you said, it's like pretty much from start to finish nonstop. Yeah. And like, even there's some scenes in it that are really suspenseful. Like I found that I couldn't look away and yeah, like it's a slasher. So there's some parts where you have to disp- um, suspend your disbelief, right? Like you kind of got to be like, okay, like, you know, if I'm willing to accept this in Friday the 13th, I should be willing to accept this in this yeah. film. Yeah, because there um, was one thing that I brought up and you're like, you you said that exact same thing and I'm like, yep, that's pretty much how I feel about it. I was just kind of curious. Yeah, because like really, if if I think when you watch a slasher, you know, you kind of look at it and you go, obviously those are choices on steroids or, or you know, ridiculous plot points that are thrown in to kind of make the flow work. And it made the flow work. Like, at the end oh, of the did. day, it made the flow work, right? So, um, and really good special effects, like, really, really well made. So, it's on Netflix. It's a free watch. It's a 2020 watch. I, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Check it out. Yep, same here. Got the Friday, the Friday Nightmares podcast stamp of approval. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, then, yeah, the next one... Uh, also another one that you told me about and like I, I i may have to let you talk about this one more because i i know mm. your love for this one but uh that is miss serial killer from 2020 and this was a hindi film right yes it is it's a hindi film yes yeah, so what were your thoughts on this well um i really enjoyed it it's not your typical bollywood film um i did watch another one called psycho that uh, is very Bollywood. It's two and a half hours long, and there's some singing and very much a Bollywood love story in it. It's well done, but this one is definitely more westernized. So if you want to watch something that has more of a Western flavor with some South Asian references in it, it's a really, really good movie, especially like what I loved is that they had a pop-up wedding chapel in it. Oh, yeah. And they had a which I thought was actually a Sikh ceremony, but I don't think they were speaking Punjabi because I actually do speak some Punjabi. I took Punjabi classes because my ex-husband was South Asian. So I can pick up and there's some similar words in Hindi, but um, they're wearing red and red is the color that brides wear. Okay. Um, on their on their wedding day in in the south asian culture so anyway um i thought that was really cool that was you know that's a little bit of a spoiler but it's not you don't know who's getting married but there's a there's a pop-up chapel in it which i thought was really cool that they kind of pulled that kind of like running away and getting married together right um so yeah i i loved it i thought the special effects were great there's some great twists in it the main character is awesome i think she's got some real acting chops um, there's some funny ass scenes in it. There's oh my great gosh, dialogue yeah. in it. Um, very modern. Very and and you know it reflects South Asian culture 
today. You know, and I, and I like that. I think as, you know, someone who probably has a little bit more knowledge of South Asian culture than other people that are white, um, simply just because of, you know, the time I spent within people from that culture and, um, you know, being married to someone from that culture and who's been to India, it, it's definitely more reflective of what India is like now, not, I think, not like what we think it is, right? So right. I really like that about it. I, like, what did you think? Did you think the kills were cool? Did you, what was your jam? Uh, yeah, this once again was one of those where you're like, you need to see this. And you told me like, watch this one before I watch Psycho just so I can yeah. kind of get a taste of what it's like before I jump into like the more Bollywood one. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed this. This was a lot of fun. I, it's not as high for me as it is for you, obviously, like for different reasons. But like, I just had a blast with this. For one, I did not expect the comedy in this at all. Oh yeah, there's some good comedy. And oh my gosh, there were lines in this that just made me laugh my ass off. Like I was not expecting it, and just kind of slapped me out, of, like slapped me in the face out of nowhere. And yeah, just a really fun movie. A uh, really cool story. The uh, interactions between uh, the main girl and uh, the other girl in the group in the movie, like, just funny as hell. Oh uh, yeah. And yeah, I think we were talking to Brandon from Exploding Heads, and I agree with him that this deserves a sequel. Like, I would love to see a sequel to this. Absolutely, and it goes to show you that like south asian films can be edgy there's a lot of swearing and stuff in this like there's some, yeah. there's some language that's used and they talk about some really like sexualized things and i'm really glad that they did that and yes i definitely do have a um a connection to the south asian culture and an understanding and there was definitely some stuff in there that if you didn't understand the south asian culture you weren't going to get it right um there was some links to the not to the audience for obviously people that are south asian watching it but it was it was great and it's on netflix like out of some of the shit we paid for like i would have paid for these two films both uh, 122 and mysterial killer any day of the week over some of the other crap that we've oh, paid for absolutely. oh my god <laughs> like talk about a difference um, so I guess I'll move on to the next, also on Netflix, uh, Dangerous Lies. It's, <laughs> it's a 2020 film. Um, it's like a Lifetime movie. If you like Lifetime movies a lot and you want a decent little like bubblegum, like real bubblegum uh, watch, it's fine. But I think for serious horror fans they're not gonna enjoy this it reminds me so much of the movie that came out last year and i can't remember the name of it but this woman is in an accident and she goes to the hospital and like her husband comes to get her but it's not really her husband she has amnesia and she can't remember who her husband is oh. and he takes her back to, <laughs> to the house that he's broken to that her and her husband lived in and like so ridiculous anyway it reminded me a lot of that so it's very like lifetime movie so i guess if you know somebody who is a light-hearted horror fan maybe but it's it's not even that strong of a horror movie it's kind of just there and i watched it because it was on netflix and free um but yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts on it. Have you have you seen any of those like that like open house or something like like it was similar like open house on Netflix? Uh, Scott. Did you ever see no, that? But I never did see that one. And like I, I've heard like people talk about that, and yeah, this, this sounds kind of like that along the lines of that film. 
Yeah, and, and that husband, I think it was like something like the perfect husband or something like that. Like, it was just, it's very, <laughs> it's very like Lifetime. I feel like I'm watching the Hallmark Channel only with a little bit of horror <laughs> sprinkled into it. So, anyway, I, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> yeah, I'll say, and you get movies like that when, uh, you know, that, when, well, especially on Netflix. You- yeah, and and you know, it wasn't poorly made or anything like that. It's just the plot was so basic bitch. Like it was like, you know, this couple inherits this house because this woman's a housekeeper for this dude and he dies mysteriously and they're trying to figure out if, you know, her husband murdered him or not. Like I know I'm giving a lot away, but that's because I don't recommend watching it. Like it's, <laughs> it's like a total like soap opera, turn off your brain um film i don't i can't i don't know i wouldn't even recommend it to anyone that we know i really wouldn't like i don't know maybe somebody's wife who you know sounds sexist but me <laughs> who needs to watch like i don't know something kind of horrorish maybe they'll like it but yeah yeah that, that sounds like one i will just not bother yeah, watching. i wouldn't bother just skip over it there's other things you could watch <laughs> yeah that's my plan <laughs> right you, you did the hard work for me yeah it's not worth it <laughs> uh so yeah i guess the next one we can talk about uh once again, I'll bring up his name because he recommended this, but uh, Brandon Orlick from Exploding Heads talked about this movie called The Droving. And uh, you and I both decided to watch this, I think, just a couple days ago, actually. Yeah, I think I watched it on Thursday or Wednesday or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and this was a pretty damn good movie. Like, uh, once again, it's if you're, if it, this is a popular theme that's been going on for the last couple of years, but it deals with cults. And so if you're into cult films... I think you'll have more appreciation for it. Yeah. But like, I thought this was a just really well done story that had me hooked from the very beginning. And like, I, I couldn't tear myself away from it. Yeah, I agree. Great dialogue. And I hate cults. Um, I hate cult films usually because I find them annoying and overdone. Yeah. But that's uh, why I was saying like, if there's more of appreciation, if you love it, because I knew like you're pre- <laughs> what you thought of them. <laughs> but this movie does it really well you know and you know we're not giving anything away you find out about cults within the first like two minutes of the movie like this isn't like oh you find out it's a cult later on like you find it out within the first like two minutes of the movie but the dialogue and the character development is quite good um not a lot of special effects but the special effects that they had were very good very well done the practical effects um and yeah more than anything just really good character development very good writing very good flow like it's how you create a slow burn that builds tension without having all the 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 flashing bells and whistles and i really reflect a film that can do that but you do have to like slow burns you do have to like character development um a lot of it and i think yeah if you if you dig the whole cult concept it, it you may like it a little bit more it's pretty high on my list i think it's 15 or 14 so you know i've given it pretty high kudos out of 67 films um, right. because of the quality of it. Like it's a good film and you, and you can't take anything away from that. Yeah. Cause I think it's like just right outside of my top 10, like at my number 11 or number 12. Like yeah, it's I a really good movie. dug it. Um, and yeah, like this one you talked about last episode. So I'll just bring this one up real quick. Cause I finally watched it. And that is uh, get in from 2020, the French Netflix horror film. Uh, and Wow, were you freaking right? This movie was awesome. Like one thing I will bring up that I picked up from this that I really liked was uh, the show of uh, how masculinity can be portrayed. Yes. And yes. like 
what a character what someone will go through because of the pressures of trying to be more masculine and man up type yes. deal. Yes. Yes, that's a really good point, Scott. And damn, was this just a all-around amazing movie? Like I like it it's very bizarre. It's very it has some very sexualized scenes. Mm-hmm. Has some really good gore. Mm-hmm. And I would put this up there with a lot of the what do they call it? The French extreme films that have come out like mm-hmm. over year, over the years. And yeah, this is a high, high, high recommend for me. I think it's like my number five right now. This film for me, well, you know, it's my number one and it will take a lot to knock it out. Like, I don't think Candyman's being, re- I think Candyman would have been the only thing that would have yeah. even given it a, a run for its money for my preference. Yet again, for my preference. Um, I think this would be my number one at the end of this year. I just, I have nothing but good things to say about this movie. There was nothing I thought they could have done differently. But then again, it spoke to Heather language. Yep. You know. And it's with me, like one of those films where uh, the more I sit with it, the higher it may go up on my list too. Cause like this one, I watched it, I think sometime last week. And like, I still remember like the whole entire movie, which for me, I have a, short-term memory loss situation when it comes to movies i'll watch them and then certain films will just fade out of memory real fast and be like what the hell was that movie even about (laughs) and this one stuck with me so like like by the end of the year like that's going to be a way i kind of portray my list too is like films that still resonate with me even though i hadn't watched them in you know several months absolutely and i think that is a good way to look at it right is you know and i and i may do rewatches at the end of the year but i'm not a big rewatch person like if i know something's my number one or that high it's going to be that high Right, like exactly. to be honest with you, it, where I have a hard time is not in my top fifteen. It's after that. It's like, yeah. well, is this like a twenty-three or a twenty-two? But really, at that point, like it doesn't really matter. <laughs> right, exactly. Like you at know? that point, like it's like unless you're gonna like just share the entire list, like in just on Facebook or something like that, or we decide to talk about everything we watched, then maybe it'd matter a little more. But right now, it's like, eh, well, and like, who cares what I thought was 45 or 47 out right. of like 67, right? Obviously, if it's in the 40s, and I think it's a 47 or 47 or 45, who cares? Like that doesn't, to me, that that's not something that you need to rush out and watch. Right, if exactly. I'm saying to you, this is in my top 10 or my top 15, and these movies are really solid, then I'm going to stand behind that. And that's going to be how I'm going to feel for the rest of the year. Like, I personally don't care what someone's like. After their top 15, I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. whatever, right? Like, <laughs> you know, whatever you think, and that's fine. It doesn't, numbers don't matter to me at that point. Um, but Sea Fever, Sea Fever was another one that we watched. This is not on Netflix. This is a VOD. Yep. Um, yeah, great film. Really, really great film. Really well done, well acted. It's an it's a Irish film, I believe. Yep. They're from Ireland. Um, so a little bit of thick accents. They were talking about this for horror, on Horror for Dummies um, a couple weeks ago. And I would agree, thick accents, but like I didn't, I didn't have any difficulties understanding them. But some great, some great acting, like to the point where I got angry at certain characters. And, yes, you did. You know, we've <laughs> talked about this before. If, if a character can, you know, bring anger or emotion from you, that's the sign of a good actor. Yep, and... I completely agree. And this movie was one that I'd heard, you know, through the grapevine of the podcasting community and things and got me really excited to see it. And yeah, this film did not disappoint. Like I love the claustrophobia of them just being stranded on this boat out in the middle of the ocean. And then the whole paranoia and uh, like mistrust that happens along the lines of the thing. Yes, very much so. Only in a boat. Yeah. 
and yeah. man like it had a very love lovecraft feel to it to me like to an extent like with the madness and all that stuff that goes on yeah but man like the effects in this were really freaking good too and very gory um and yeah like just the story in general and just the way everything happens like just it was a scott movie through and through like absolutely it's it's a great film it wasn't as high for me i think but it's in my top 10 like how could it not be yeah the acting in it alone is is phenomenal and the subtleness of um the ethical dilemmas that run through the film and you know connecting to modern to, to really what's happening now too with um stuff that's happening around the world it, it was really well done like it was it was a really really good film and not super high budget yet again like not a blockbuster in the sense of like oh look at all this money we pumped into it but a film that just used their set and their and their actors and what they had well they yeah. just used it well and the writing was good and i'm beginning to wonder if if movies like get in sea fever um if it's if it's that writing that really and, and the droving that really kind of just narrows it down having good writers that can yeah, write this, a good script yeah because the screenwriting is very very important to a lot of this because yeah like if you can't invest in the characters and like what is going on then you're not going to enjoy it nearly as much yeah no i agree and, and it's worth the rental so there's some that we listed off that are free on netflix and netflix canada and the united states uh but this one is definitely worth the money if you're if you're interested in renting it, I definitely recommend it. Yep, and this one can be rented on Amazon Prime for the U.S. And it can be rented on Google Play as well as iTunes. Nice. Uh, the one other one that you and I both ended up watching was The Siren from 2020, which is yeah. uh, an exclusive on Shudder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this one could have pretty much tied into our theme for our episode today, but I didn't want to get into spoilers with this one because it's yeah. something but it's uh, pretty much about a uh, cursed woman that uh, ends up being a siren. And, like, she ends up uh, uh, pretty much just, like, not being able to control her urges when she wants to. And just the – there wasn't a lot of big characters to this one. It was just a very small cast. Mm-hmm. But, man, was this really well done as well. Like, I, mm-hmm. I was very impressed with this, like – I'm also a fan of like mythological monsters and stuff like that. And sirens are known for luring guys out and drowning them and stuff like that. So I right off the bat was sucked, uh, knew I was going to like this one to an extent just because of that theme. Absolutely. You know, it's cool. I like that it was in a lake too and not in an ocean, um, which I really thought was kind of cool. And yeah, I would agree with you. The character development was really well done. There was some suspenseful scenes um, that are subtle, but I had to look away because I couldn't handle the suspense of what was going to happen. Um, it caused me a level of anxiety. And yet again, that's a good sign of a director, of a scriptwriter, of actors, when they can invoke emotions from you. Really, when you feel something during a film or, or during a TV show or a play, that's a sign of something that's solid. Yeah, so it's on Shutter, so you do have to pay for Shutter for it, but it's worth the watch. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I guess we can move on to the last 2020 watch, which is something you watched, and yeah. I gotta check out. Yeah, and I and I put this on my list. I don't think that I really would count it as a horror movie because it's a documentary, and I do put those in a different uh, category. But Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, it talks about um, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 
and oh my gosh, I forgot the character. Was, is his name Jesse? I Jesse, think. but and it's Mark not Patton. A, Mark Patton. Thank you. Oh my goodness, I just had a complete like. It's all about partying from last night. Anyway, <laughs> um, Mark Patton, and he and he does a really good job talking about his experiences with um, the aftermath of you know Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Talks a lot about his experience as a gay man in Hollywood. Um, particularly in the 80s and 90s with uh, HIV and AIDS. Um, a lot of, you know, lack of education or understanding of HIV and AIDS, which results in prejudice and um, discrimination. So he talks about that. He talks about um, confronting the screenwriter about how it was written, um, that there was always this belief that Mark Patton made it gay-er, quote-unquote, um, but it you know, was written with obviously some scenes in it. To be honest with you, when I first saw Nightmare on Elm Street 2, I was one of those people that I didn't pick up on any of that. Nope, neither I did I. I. I was just like, oh yeah, they're at a like, I guess I'm maybe a gay bar. Like, I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about some of the lines of like, you know, she wants to sleep with you or you're here with me or whatever the case was. I never thought about like, Freddie was his own internal struggle with demons about his sexuality. Like, I... I never read into that any at all. I just thought the coach was like creepy pervert right. that like was trying to molest Jesse. Like I, I didn't read into that. It was only when I heard people talk about it that I went, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah I guess I see that. Yeah. So I, you know what? I, I guess there's just some people out there that are more aware of that and others that are not. And I fall into that area of others that are not, but it's a really good documentary. I think it takes a lot of courage to talk about any kind of experience. The fact that he was sick for a long time, the fact that he's back doing these conventions, the fact that he's now owning the role and owning the impact that it's had on gentlemen that identify as homosexual and almost like that he's given them a voice. And to me, that is the most inspiring thing that someone can do is they can be that, that role model or that voice of this person got out of this situation, I can get out of this situation. This right. person's proud to be gay, bi, trans, whatever. I'm, I'm, I can be proud to be gay. And that's huge. You know, as a heterosexual white woman, I don't understand that and I never will. Right. And it's, it's inspiring to me to hear other stories so I can learn and appreciate and empathize. Never fully get. I will never get it. But I can at least empathize and learn. And that's the most important thing. Absolutely. And yeah, this is one that I am definitely planning on watching probably like this weekend or next week. Like, because yeah, as my, I was, uh, my personal opinions with part two when I'd seen it, like, this is young Scott talking because I haven't watched it in a very, very long time. But I wasn't really that big of a fan of it. And mm. like you, I didn't catch on to a lot of the uh, homosexual themes in it and things like that. I just, seen it as a, another Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Yeah. And but I wasn't the biggest fan of this one, but I after hearing everything about it like over the years and then uh you know this documentary coming out, I want to watch this and then at some point I will rewatch part 2 and I bet you I will have a much bigger broader respect for that film. You know what's funny? I actually really like part 2. I like all of them. But I, I, and like a lot of people shit on that pool scene. I thought that pool scene was sick. Yeah, that was one of like that, like, that scene is awesome. Yeah. And I thought like where he's corners Jesse in the hallway and he, 
you know, you got the body, I got the brains. Like, I, I thought there were some fucking killer lines from that film. And, but I'm a big Nightmare fan. Um, I like all the Nightmares. So, with part six being one of the toughest ones to get through, but I can still mm-hmm. enjoy it when I watch it. So, yeah. Anyway, I think it's just, you know, and, it, and they talk a lot about HIV and AIDS in that. And it still blows my mind how lack of knowledge people have of HIV and AIDS. Like yeah. how it's transmitted in 2020. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting, <laughs> and I'll just leave it at that. I think yeah. that um, you know we still have a long way to go, and I think events have proven in the past several years for lots of different things that we don't have a good understanding of history in our countries. No, we and, do not. And um, why things have occurred and how we've got to this point or even how diseases are transferred. So hopefully people continue to educate themselves. And this is a great documentary um, in order to do that. And and just learning and learning about, you know, again, more about the movie industry and what was going on at that time. Yeah, that that will definitely be watching this and then I will bring it back up on our next episode and give my thoughts on it as well. Awesome. Uh, yeah, then I guess we can jump into our list of older films. Um, we did watch a bunch more, but a lot of those are going to be tied for our theme, so we're just going to bring those up in our main topic. But uh, I will talk about one that I've always been curious about because I love the cover art for it, and that is The Unnameable from 1988. And this is a Lovecraft story, so of course, you know, Scott had to go and watch it. It's a 10 out of 10, just because it's um, Lovecraft. Damn near, t- I think it was a 9 out of 10. Oh, I, see, of I, course. Oh, I loved this movie. Like, this one didn't have to do with, like, a lot of the, uh, like, madness-inducing stuff that Lovecraft is known for. This one is more just, like, a very creepy-ass monster. It's a monster movie. Mm. And, man, this film just was absolutely enthralling to me. Total 80s monster film. The monster practical effects looked incredible. I was blown away by the way it looked and the way it sounded just like the way it screeches and everything just sounded, uh, had shivers running up my spine. Like this is one of those movies that if you haven't seen it, I highly, highly, highly recommend watching this one. Like I had such a blast with this movie. Now, do you highly recommend Heather watches this one? Yes, because I know you do love your monster movies and creature movies and stuff like that, and that is more what this is. It's not. It's not too Lovecraft. No, no. Okay. I, I'll I'll give you a quick synopsis. College students check out a haunted house where, in the 1800s, an ugly monster called the Unnameable is trapped in a vault and accidentally gets released. What's my ex doing there? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just being funny. Anyway, um, yeah, this sounds interesting and sounds I don't know, I've never even heard of it, but that's not that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those where I when I would go to video stores, I'd always see the cover, but never pull the trigger on watching it. Do you remember when you go to video stores and you get the videos? I don't know if your video stores had this, but it was plastic cases yep. and you put and you would have to like squeeze it and like yes. shake the video out. <laughs> And then you get so mad if someone didn't rewind it and you'd be like, okay, I like the PCR. Or they had the separate like rewind machines. 
Yeah. You would put the you would get the separate rewind machine because it was believed that rewinding too much would wear out your VCR. I don't even know if that was true or not, but I just remember like if people were like doing well, they had a separate rewind machine and a VCR. Yep, yep and my grandparents had two separate rewind machines plus two VCRs, so they were fancy. They were fancy, huh? Yeah. Very, very nice. Uh, so, yeah, what would uh, be the next one you want to talk about? Oh, you keep going. Why don't you keep oh, going? Okay. All yours are here. You just you just keep going on your roll, Scott. All right. I will do that. So uh, the next one I decided to watch is a slasher film from 1981 that I have heard so much about throughout the years and finally decided to check it out, and that is Final Exam. What Man. a great slasher. I love that slasher. That was a really fun movie, and like a lot of films from the early 80s definitely has some stuff that you cannot uh be getting away with now in films oh my goodness like the opening is it the school shooting prank that they pull in that one yeah, yeah right? like the guys pulling up in a van and jumping oh my out God. Just to pretend to shoot everybody and just so a guy can get out of an exam oh my goodness right like oh like i, I was watching that going what the hell is going on <laughs> things that would not happen today definitely yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, I, I like that slasher. I think it's a, you know, I really have a soft spot for 80s cheesy slashers, no matter how bad they are. Yep, same I here. like Fatal Games and shit like that, too. I, just, I find it funny. I find these like ridiculous kills hilarious. Um, yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it because, yeah, I, I'm a big fan. Yeah, this is one that I definitely recommend if you're a fan of any sla- of 80 slashers and you haven't seen this, definitely give it a watch because, yeah, it's definitely a time capsule and just a fun movie. It's a bit of a slower uh, slasher than most, but yeah. like, the characters in it are what keep you entertained. In all fairness, I found that a lot. Like, if you watch the original uh, My Bloody Valentine, it's it's not quick. No, like, it is not. slashers weren't quick. Neither was Prom Night. You know, like... No, it was- there was... There's like uh, there's the ones that are like pretty much fast paced, and then there's like the slow ones. Like, what would you consider a flash paced eighty slasher? Honestly, um, I would probably say like Friday the Thirteenth Part Two and Four. Okay, sure. but those are those are re- those are sequels. I'm oh, talking about originals. Oh, originals. Um, the burning. Like I can't. Not that fast paced. Like, there's like, a lot of actually, character yeah, development until you get, like, you get the kill with the prostitute at the beginning. Yeah, that is very true, because, yeah, that is more like an 80s sex comedy for a little while. Yeah, like, I don't think, and I'm not cutting up 80s slashers, don't get me no. wrong. I just don't think that they were, like, and I even remember with, like, some of the ones I've watched, like, Summer Pretty Massacre, and then there was Sorority, the one where she gets a Hell House, Hell House, or Hell... Uh, Hell Knight. Hell Knight, yeah, she gets locked in the, um... Like for a prank, an overnight, like the initiation, her and this dude and someone else have to stay in that house. Like it's a slow build. That is true. Yeah. Like now that I'm thinking back on it, yeah, I think a lot of those 80s slashers that were not like franchises were slow builds because I think that's what I was thinking basing it on was like the 80s franchise slash. Yeah. Like, of course, absolutely. You look at sequels, they're a little more quicker. But if we look at the original Friday the 13th, yeah, that, that, was, that slow. was a slow burn. Like if you were to sit down a 12 year old today of course depending on the 12 year old and be like oh man there's this great slasher it's called friday the 13th it's really really fun they'd be like bored for 45 minutes they'd be like so when shit going down right like and the kills aren't as like you know graphic or whatever as we have today you know but like it's just it's an interesting concept that people will be like oh i don't like burns i don't like slow burns but i love 1980 slashers and you're like well (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like, well, you may, may, may want to rethink that a bit. You know, like they're, they're not necessarily like speedy out of the gate. Right. I just, I just think it's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, you, a, that's a good point. Cause yeah, I never even thought of that that way before, but yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, they just do, they're, they're good at building, you know, and that, and that's important. Like you need to, and, and whether it's terror train where it's the nerd that got humiliated or, you know, prom night where he saw his sister get killed. Like, I know we're giving spoilers here, but hopefully people have seen these, you know, pretty classic slasher films right? Um, from the 80s. Like, it, it does, you know, build up to that. Like, if you just had, like, what Scream did, you know, with that right out of the gate, really intense opening scene. Yeah. All the Screams did that. Um, every single one, it was an intense opening scene. And then it tended to go more like this. Except for three, I think three does a lot more of this. But it gets there, but one oh, had mean, a like, lot of just for the uh, just for the listeners. You're moving your hands up and down like a wave, and then yeah, I don't know why Scott Scott is like described video for me right now. I guess, um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's it's like it's interesting. I just I just think it's it's a fascinating thing that you know a lot of the original slashers definitely were more about some plot development going on, so you cared about the characters. You know, like you, you had to have some kind of investment. Like really, yeah. we cared about Drew Barrymore because it was Drew Barrymore. Right. Right? Like you see Drew Barrymore get killed in the first five minutes of a film. You're like, holy fuck, anything can happen. Right, like, That's because exactly. it was Drew Barrymore. Right? Like if she had been some random blonde chick that they Wouldn't had pulled, Yeah, no one would have given a shit, right? Like they would have been like, all right, well, I'm, some chick's dead. You know, that was really right. smart. It was smart on Wes Craven. Um, I think that's a really interesting, anyway, who knew that talking about final exam would get me on this like tangent, but I just think it was an interesting thing to, to bring up. So, yeah, I'll say, I'm glad we did. That's a, that was a good conversation and yeah. Open my eyes to something I never really thought of. <laughs> I know. I'm just really smart, Scott. You, you should just, you so smart, Heather. <laughs> Listen to me the entire time. I, I, I do. That's, that's really this, what it is. It's just me educating Scott for yeah. What we're doing is we're recording a show that is a Heather solo cast, and I'm just the listener that's agreeing with her. <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we could jump on to the next two movies that I watched, which uh, you brought up last week, or last episode, and that was 13 and 14 cameras from 2015 and 2018. I was partway through 13 cameras when you had watched it, and yeah, these were you know pretty good films. Uh, that, that guy is extremely gross and creepy and that uh, builds up a lot of tension with that first film. Mm-hmm. The second film just goes a little bananas with some of the things it decides to bring in. But, and uh, what was it? The time jump does not make sense for certain characters. Yeah, it, it does get a little dicey, but you know, like... I'll say yeah. there's still fun watches. It's a total like, oh shit, this made money. We should make a sequel. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, these were both on Netflix, and I highly recommend them. I don't need to say much more because Heather did a great job talking about them last week. I just wanted to, you know, mention that I had seen them, and that yeah, I also thought they were very enjoyable. Just uh, the first one is better; the second one is a little less. But also recommend watching them almost like back to back. Yeah, I think I think back to back is a good idea. It allows a, it makes a little more sense, right? Like yeah, well, as much and, sense as these two movies can make together, but <laughs> right. Uh, and then I have one more that I will bring up that uh, was from 1980, and that is He Knows You're Alone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Recommended by Miss Powell herself. Yeah, because I like 80 slashers. <laughs> <laughs> and, wow. 
<laughs> I'm glad you brought this one up because this was a lot of freaking fun as well. And also kind of sort of, in a way, ties into the urban legend theme. Like, uh, but this is, yeah, a very fun slasher and a first uh, appearance of Tom Hanks, briefly. Yep, yep. <laughs> Um, he has like a little minor role in it. Really, like his role is pointless. <laughs> yeah, it literally is. There's no reason for it. Like, like he just kind of showed up and was like there. But that's fine. You know, we all need to get our start somewhere. Exactly. And yeah, like uh, I'm going to read the quick synopsis, but a young bride-to-be is being stalked upon by a serial killer in Staten Island. She gets help from a former lover, but they will manage, but will they manage to escape? And yeah, this was just a, another all-around fun slasher film that I somehow never knew about for the longest time. I think actually I didn't hear about it till you told me about it. And yeah, I am glad I watched this. This one was a very fun movie and I highly recommend a, any slasher fans check this out if they haven't seen it. So if this was a horror for dummy episode, you would be I would be dummy. the dummy. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I am um, always the dummy anyway, so. <laughs> but yeah, so so Scott can do a described video for me. I'm going to do a pretend shot of what the woman looks like with the phone. <laughs> basically just opened my eyes super wide and like gave this odd face because that's what the cover is right i think it's nope. this is a slow movie you know like it's actually one of i think one of the slower movies uh from the 80s but i love it i think it's great i think it's yeah. great build and you know it's really really entertaining so i'm glad you i'm glad you dug it i'm glad you enjoyed it yeah well i'll say i think you uh like you and i have both learned each other's tastes fairly well throughout our uh time working together and knowing each other so i think like you can recommend movies to me and know that i will like it or you're you know just at least curious on my thoughts on it same and vice versa with me to you well or i like telling you that you're wrong yeah you do yeah, like to do that too. Um, <laughs> i'm such a bully uh, people listen to the show they probably think i'm a nice person if only nice. you've seen our real conversation yeah, i'm nice enough we'll put it that way i'm nice <laughs> enough um so you can chime in with this one my friend because i you were involved in the Kickstarter, I think. Uh, oh, yes. Never Hike Alone. It's a fan film. Yes, a Friday the 13th fan film. Oh, this is how a low-budget Friday the 13th sequel can be done right. Yeah, like what a good movie. And um, so Rebecca from In the Mic of Madness is interviewing the director on the oh, next nice. episode with Venom. Um. And I, I think that's awesome. Like, I think that, I think she's, she's a, she's a badass chick. She's cool. Um, but yeah, like what a great film and great plot, like simple character development. And I thought there was some, some reasoning behind the naming of the characters at the end, the ambulance drivers and stuff like, um, like Tommy and something like that. Like, well, I yeah, cause, uh... like they were tying it into the other movies. Yep, because the guy that uh, was the ambulance driver is Tommy Jarvis in part six. Oh, that's who it was. I thought so. That's Tom I Matthews. So. I thought so, yeah. So I was like, ah, that was, I thought that was funny. I thought that was really clever, actually. Um, yeah, like a short... nice tie back. Uh, I thought it was really awesome how they brought, like, brought it back in like that and even brought Tom Matthews back for that role. Yeah, I, I thought that was really cool. And, you know, it's only about an hour long, but it's perfect you yeah. know it's it's a perfect length for that movie and it's really really well done yeah i enjoyed it quite a bit i don't know where it was filmed do you know where it was filmed uh i could probably look that up real quick but yeah i was gonna say uh when this first came out it was on it came out on friday the 13th and it was uh instantly available on youtube like for free 
That's oh, how they cool. promoted it. And that's how I watched it for the first time. And that was before I did the Kickstarter. I ended up doing the Kickstarter for the... Uh, never hike Ray. alone? Or never oh. don't hike in the snow or something like that? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I can't remember the title of that one. But no, the Kickstarter I invested in was for the Blu-ray of Never Hike Alone. Because they hadn't re- oh, made it. Oh, okay. Yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, this was... A, I, you know me, I'm a huge Friday the 13th fanboy. And like... I wasn't sure what to expect from this and man, I was really impressed how, uh, how they filmed it. The person that got to play Jason was really imposing and intimidating. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this is a, I love this movie and like, it's one of those now, like on Friday the 13th, I will watch this with like the actual franchise movies. Yeah, it was great. I, it was uh, it was nice to see people do a fan film and and really uh, breathe some good life into the heck. I thought I liked it better than I like some of the other Friday Thirteenths. To be quite honest with you, it's um, same here. Like I would probably rank it higher than some of them. So. Yeah, in the, <laughs> in the sequel. Film. Yeah, and it's it's because yeah, I would definitely say it's better than pretty much everything after Part Seven for sure. Yeah, like I don't. I'm not a big fan of. Jason goes to hell. I'm I'm not. I don't think it's a horrible movie and I don't shit on it, but I'm not a big fan of it. I find it boring. Yeah. Um I prefer if someone said never hike alone or Jason goes to hell, I'd be like, never hike alone. Yep. <laughs> it's, like, it's old school slasher style. Well, and I just find it more entertaining to be honest with you. And I just I find the flows better and you know, I I was never a big fan of Jason hopping from body to body. Yet again, if that's your jam, like knock your socks off. I just thought that it was stupid. And yeah, it, it was just a r- weird redheaded stepchild of the franchise. <laughs> well, and like I, you know what? There's some people that love it, and that's fine. I just, to me, it didn't fit with me. Doesn't mean yeah. it's a bad movie. It just means it didn't fit with me. Like I don't mind that Jason goes to space or Jason X. I thought it was silly, but I figured at that point they're just so desperate to make movies and try to get whatever money they can out of it. Like it was. You know, it was just there. Right. So it was nice to see something. And I like the remake. I like the 2000 yep, so do I. remake. Um, but yeah, this was great. So I'm looking forward to their to their sequel or follow-up to this. Yep, and I looked up the sequel name, and it's uh, Never Hike Alone, Never Hike in the Snow. Oh, yeah. So people have always wanted a, a snow Jason. So this is going to be, you know, every fan's dream come true. Right, exactly. And I tried looking up where it was filmed, and I couldn't find any information, so... Yeah, just curious. You know, it looked like it was filmed at a camp or whatever. So, yeah. Um, the other one I watched was Rogue, uh, two thousand and seven. It's an Aussie film about a killer crocodile. Um, yeah, it was fine. You yeah, know, like it, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was really worried about the dog throughout it. Um, <laughs> I knew you would be. Well, I have never uh, seen the movie, but I knew there was a dog in it. And... Yeah, there's a dog in it. Um, you know, the CG is. 2007 um which is fine you yeah. know that that's it is what it is there's some very much like roll your eyes like okay <laughs> but it's for entertainment to watch a creature feature and just watch a crocodile like fuck people up not a bad watch yeah that's kind of like along the lines of how i felt about Blackwater. yeah like you know it's it's not the worst crocodile movie i've ever seen and it, i I would prefer like Placid more. I would. Okay. Um, that's me. I'm sure there's people out there like, no, Rogue's better, and that's fine. I just there was parts of it that I was like, Meh. 
you know, just didn't, right. just didn't do it for me. <laughs> and there's parts of Lake Placid too that don't do it for me either. I just find that one more comical and parts of it really funny and oh, same watch, here. Right? I mean, it's got Betty White in it too, so that's just yeah, awesome. Betty White's such a badass. She um, is. Hell House, good film, excellent movie. Uh, was thinking of using it for our urban legends section because we're talking about urban legends i don't know if scott talked about yeah that. i don't think i actually brought up uh, see just... scott's a bad host um he has to describe what i'm doing but he can't remember our topic so we're talking about urban legends today. <laughs> <laughs> poor scott uh, he's gonna be looking for a new host for them after episode 10 um but so hell house was gonna be on the list there but i just i i didn't feel like I could talk about it as much as I wanted to the theme I wanted to use but very very good film very good found footage film uh makes found footage look good I'll put it that way nice worth the watch have you seen it no this is one that's on the list of first time watches that I gotta check out at some point yeah it's good it's an entertaining film it's safe for work to be honest with you it's nothing super inappropriate right um but it is definitely a ghost story you know, so you got to be down with like creepy shit happening and maybe some jump scares. So nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to check this one out soon. I'm sure I, I'm getting to that point where I'm just like, all right, I'm just kind of scrolling through Shutter now and just kind of clicking on movies I've never seen before. That's what you got to do, and don't think too much about it, Scott. Just go with, just go with yeah. your heart. Well, I just got to make sure that it's in English because I can't watch it at work if it's <laughs> truth. <laughs> truth. Um. So. Back to found footage. Let's go back in time to the Blair Witch Project. I don't think this was the first found footage movie, but I remember this being highly promoted as a found footage movie. Like, I remember when it came out, the promotion behind it, the, you know, oh, it's based on a truth. It's actually real. Like, you had all people's, like, some people believing that it actually happened. And the fake documentary they made before this came out. Right. Oh, man. Right. They, they, that is probably the thing that I will say about this movie. Like, I'm not a fan of the Blair Witch Project itself, but all of the hype building up to it and the promoting is probably some of the best I have ever done. Like they've created like missing posters for all the people in the movies. Yeah. And, yeah. And websites for you trying to like find them and stuff like that. Like, man, they did a great job with that. Especially for 1999. You know, and I think it's important that we remember that this was made in 1999. Yeah. You know, because it's 2020. <laughs> So this bit is 21 years old. Which is crazy to me. Which is crazy. Um, and I remember the first time I watched this, I made out with my boyfriend. <laughs> so not like, much watching. This is like, like most of it was like me making out with my boyfriend. Anyway, so I didn't really watch the whole movie. Tells you how interested I was at the time. Um, <laughs> so now as a, you know, I, I didn't make out with anybody. I managed to sit through this whole entire film. <laughs> I am so proud of you, Heather. <laughs> Like, wow. I pulled people is... off the street and was like, hey, you want to watch a movie? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. That, that's an achievement right you there. You <laughs> know, I just managed to sit through a film. So, um, yeah, not a bad movie. Not a bad movie. I think it would have had more impact in 1999 if I had actually watched it and, and paid attention to it. I feel like now, um, with all the other films that have come out, it gets overshadowed. I, I found, so there's some spoilers here. Like one of the chicks name, like main chick is like Heather. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, they're yelling at Heather the entire time. And I'm like, man, this Heather chick is a bitch. Like what's, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's kind of like really fucked them over here. Like, <laughs> so throughout it, I kept thinking like, yeah, I'd be mad too. Like they have every kind of right to be pissed off right now because she's kind of like screwed them. <laughs> right. 
right? Um, so, but well-made, yet again, they probably didn't have much money when they made that film. Like, it was probably some pretty bare, basic bitch budget. Um, oh, it was extremely low budget, and then kind of like Paranormal Activity out of nowhere just, like, made a shit ton in the box office. Yeah, like, and, like, that whole, like, where she reverses the camera and talks into it. I'm so scared right now. Like, you know, it was good to finally see that full scene. I'd only seen real parodies of it and stuff like that, so it was great to see it. I'm glad I, I watched it and actually sat down and, and watched it and had the attention span for it, but I think it would have had, I had the attention span now to sit through it, but I think I would have had more of an impact from it if I had seen it in 1999. Well, yep. actually watched it in 1999. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. Because, yeah, this is one that I ended up, uh, you know, I was telling the story where I watched, my stepdad worked for a video distribution company, so he'd, like, stock the shelves at rental places and stuff like that of the new movies. And after a new release, you know, has been out for a while, they have to take out some of the movies because, you know, they'll bring in, like, 10 or 12 of one movie just because it's a new release, so we want to rent it to everybody. And after a while, they only need like two copies of it. So my stepdad would always bring home the duplicates. And uh, well, they also, at this company, they also got screeners. Mm. So he, he brought home a screener VHS of this. And I was watching it and just like, okay, this movie's, yeah, it's all right. It's all right. And then it got to the third act and it just went black and said, if you want to find out what happens next, uh, go and pre-order the movie. I'm going, fuck you. I am not doing this because <laughs> little this, angry teenager Scott was like, you don't tell me what to do. <laughs> screw you. This movie wasn't, I am not going to sit through this crap again to get to this third act. So I'm not renting this or buying this. Yeah. It, oh, maybe I can I'll imagine you just being super mad at like 17 and. <laughs> oh, I was so. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, so yeah, since then I have not even bothered rewatching it. Like eventually I may, cause I never did technically finish it. So I could, I guess, count it as a first time watch. But. Yeah, that's what I did. Because <laughs> I don't remember anything from it. Right. Um, and honestly, I think as a horror fan, you should watch it. I think what it's done for the genre, I think the following that it has, you know, respect. Oh, for sure. I think out of it's one of those movies where I would say to someone, if you're a hardcore horror fan, you should watch The Blair Witch Project. And I say that now after watching it and being like, yeah. You know, it yep. may not have the impact for you now that it would have had for you back in 1999, just because the world was a different place. But I think that it's it's definitely has its piece in horror history. And I have a lot of respect for the people that made that film, the marketing behind it. Um, the acting was decent. You know, it, it's a decent film. It just didn't, you know, it didn't impact on me except for the fact that I was like, Heather, you're an idiot. And you've screwed these two dudes. <laughs> and that's and that was probably what I took away most from the film. Yep, I can see that. Right. Um, the only you know, two other films I'll go over quickly are Netflix films. Uh one is called Escape. And it's and it's Escape Room, I think, or it's Escape. Um it's came out in 2017, and at first I'm like, ah, oh, Escape. This looks like a really shitty Netflix movie. No, it's actually really good. Um, it's based really? on a group of like very um, well-off people who go to an escape room and shit goes down and it's not a happy ending. It's not like the escape room that came out before where like shit goes down, but there's a quasi happy ending. No, there's no happy ending. This is not a happy ending. So it's um, very interesting. I would say for Netflix for free, 
I enjoyed it better than Dangerous Lies. You know, it's something that if you, if you had some people over and you were like, oh, you know, they're a fair weather horror fan, I would throw this on. Like it would be edgy enough that you could be entertained as like maybe a more advanced horror fan, but for somebody who maybe doesn't like a lot of horror, it's, it moves smoothly enough. Okay. Um, A movie that's on prime that looks like shit from the core, the the cover of the, the movie art, but is not shit is uh, 247 degrees. I think it's just degrees. Yes. Yeah. You were telling Uh, me about this one. Came out in 2011. Taylor Scout Compton. Is that how you say your name? Uh, yep. Is in it. Um, along with the dude that played the blonde asshole in uh, Friday the 13th remake 2009. Nice. The guy that owned the the cottage or whatever it was they were saying. Yeah. Man, that dude has some acting chops. Does he really? Like, he has some acting chops. He he was really good in this. And I, I also have a soft spot for him because if you watch the um, – if you watch Camp Crystal Lake Memories, he talks about how much he valued his time at, as in that role. And he talks about how much it meant to him and how he like is appreciated that people recognize him from that movie. Like he's not a douchebag. Right. Like he's actually seems like a really nice dude, but he looks like a douchebag. It's yeah, kind of yeah, interesting, right? He, he looks like, uh, like uh, he looks like the uh, jokingly, what we joke about sometimes, Chad's. The Chad's. Yeah. Yeah, like that's what he looks like, but he's actually like seems to be decent. I don't know, maybe he's just decent for that documentary. But in this movie, he was really good, and it's basically based upon a group of people that go to a, a cottage lodge, whatever you want to call it, and there's a sauna there, and they get locked in the sauna. And how they get locked in the sauna could happen. Okay. Like it could happen, and what happens to them would happen. Like it's it's. It's pretty accurate, and I know people out there love Scout Taylor Compton, and, and she, don't get me wrong, I get it, her body's banging, but she is the low-peak acting in this movie. I think everybody else outacted her. Okay. By leaps and bounds, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Um, it is a movie that I really enjoyed. If I had watched it in 2011, it would have been in my top 25. Like it of was a, ever, no 2011 like of that 2011. Oh, okay, like if okay. I was doing you know the watches that we're doing now, it would have been in my top 25 because it's a really good film. It's a really entertaining. It's not too long. I think it's about 80 minutes, so it runs the time fine. And if you like isolation horror, and if you have ever been somewhere and been in a sauna, and like one of these saunas, like it's very much like a finished sauna. Yep. Um, you know what I'm talking about? Fuck is it accurate? Like, fuck is it accurate to what would happen, what you would probably do? Um, yeah. And then even the aftermath is like, yeah, I can't say enough good things. It's, it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like a good movie because of the poster and it doesn't sound like a good movie because of the synopsis, but this is a movie that is a good movie that I recommend hundred percent over some other shit that's on prime. Well, you have uh, definitely got me curious because so what you're saying is I need to watch this before I go to my UP trip in August where we have a finished sauna outside. I will tell you right now, you will never look at them in the same way again. Sweet. So yeah, I watch. You may not even want to go in. (laughs) I'm not kidding, Scott. Like that is the impact this could have on you. 
Like yeah. it is, it is a fuck. Like, and I've been in a lot of these and I'm telling you right now how they get locked in and what happens and what happens to them could happen. I am very curious. Like See, it's, I gotta... it's, it's well done. Yeah. And, um, unfortunately this one though is on Canadian prime and not us prime. It's actually unavailable on Amazon, which is weird. Uh, so, so you I, may have to pay for it yeah we may have to like there may have to be some other way to watch it because i i need to find a way to watch this movie now because i'm very yeah curious. i'm telling you by the end of this year watch this movie okay, like i I, I feel that like it's definitely a summertime movie you oh, know it's something sure. that you would watch in the summer but it's for anyone that has access to canadian prime or i don't know maybe you have it somewhere else it is it is worth the watch it is not a shitty film on prime it is it is really good nice yeah i will definitely look for this one then for sure uh, but yeah, I guess that's the end of our extensive watch list. Uh, so we can jump into our what we've been listening to segment. And uh, well, I will pass the torch over to Heather for the first show. Like Torch Like Survivor. Yes. That was such a stupid show. It, anyway. It so <laughs> <laughs> and the first season was unique. And then I don't even know. I guess it's still probably running now. I don't watch a lot of reality it probably TV is. shows. So I don't really know. Um, except for like top dog which is a canine canine show where dogs compete that's that's my that's, that's where i roll that's, that's the heather jam right there that's the heather jam um so some people are familiar with horophilia network and there's a particular podcast that i never miss an episode for um and they are called no more room in hell fresh cuts and i started listening to fresh cuts a year and a half ago and it is one of the best podcasts, in my opinion, for new films. They go out, they, they choose a new watch every week. It used to be theater watches, but obviously it's VODs right now, um, or Shutter or Prime or whatever they, they choose. And they do a review. So it's usually done with Mike Merriman, is the continual host, same with Venom. And then they have multiple guests that come on, and sometimes it's just Mike and Venom. And, you know, they're, they're, I think they're a popular podcast but i don't know if they're as popular as they should be because mike and venom are very good their chemistry together is phenomenal they are very respectful of each other's opinions and the way that they run the show is very professional venom is extremely knowledgeable he knows a lot about films he has a very extensive background when it comes to film production and just knowledge of things like that um mike is is very knowledgeable as well when it comes to understanding politics and just the way that films are framed and i really love the way they work off each other and some of my favorite episodes are ones where venom hates the movie because he goes <laughs> yes. into rants and it's really funny um or when they have big groups on and they talk about films it's just a really good podcast if you want to hear a, a snapshot of a movie and then a spoiler section because their spoil sec spoiler section is very extensive they actually go through the entire film i it has helped me understand movies i didn't get yep. it has helped me go back and further appreciate movies or it's opened my eyes to other movies because i can hear a spoiler and go watch a movie and it's fine it yep. doesn't ruin it for me at all um that's just the way I am. So I really recommend checking them out. And they're always coming out with new stuff. They have a, a mother show, which is No More Room in Hell, which is excellent too. That's usually a theme-based show. But I'll be honest, as much as I do enjoy that show, I am an avid Fresh Cuts. And the moment it comes out, I download it. So I really encourage others to check it out. Yep. And I am the same way. Uh, 
been a fan of fresh cuts for a very long time and yeah for the people that i will say for the people that don't want spoilers i recommend uh listening to the very beginning of whatever movie they're talking about if you're interested in the film especially and listen to their non-spoiler section it's usually short maybe like anywhere between 10 to 30 minutes depending on the film and depending on how many people they have on the show but when uh but they are very good at letting you know when they are going to jump into the spoiler. So it's kind of like breaking it down into two parts. So what I used to do, like, especially for films, I didn't want to know anything about just besides like general thoughts uh, would be, I'd listen to it while I was on my way to the theater to go see that specific movie and then stop at the non-spoiler section, go see the movie, get out of the movie, listen to the spoiler section. And, but yeah, I've just like you, I've been an advocate for their show for a very long time. Like especially if like you're into wanting to know about these newer films and like the chemistry between the two of them you know it's really really good and i i'm very lucky that i've developed i would say a very close friendship with venom and i've definitely gotten to know mike more and i would definitely consider us closer friends now uh, over the past year being a podcaster and i've learned a lot from them being on that show i've learned a lot from how they podcast and how they review movies and i feel really lucky to know them you know i know that sounds really cheesy and i know venom listens to this (laughs) he's probably like what are you doing heather um but it's (laughs) it's the truth i really have learned a lot from them and i look forward to them continuing this this uh podcast yep same here i'll say i i love the guys they are great and yep just like you i've been building friendships with both of them and I'm hoping that continues. But they like me more. So they, of anyway. course they do. Everyone, everyone likes. <laughs> Just kidding. Scott. Everyone likes you better, Heather. We already know that. That's not true. They like you. You're a much more calmer, <laughs> calmer person than I am. But you have one, and I've never heard of this one. I'm excited to hear about this. All right. So the one I am going to talk about is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Uh, it is a solo cast um, by the guy that goes by the name Terrible Terror. Um, and what he, uh, he was an actual, uh, big supporter of me back when I was on the horror drunks would always share our episodes on Twitter and stuff like that. And, uh, would, like, he would ask me for suggestions for movies. Cause what he does is he usually will find like a really bad movie and go over it scene by scene, kind of like what you were talking about with fresh cuts, how they would go scene by mm-hmm. scene at the end of in the spoiler section. He will do this and use movie clips and stuff like that as he does it and just like groan and complain about like this particular scene or whatever. And he's just like, why am I doing this to myself as he's watching it? And oh, that's it's funny. Just, oh, it's really funny. And he's been going for quite some time. I don't even know how many episodes he has out now, but it's got to be over 200 at this point. Um, but this will tell you kind of like the level of movies, like not all of them are horror films, but like he just finds like, mainly horror and genre specific styles cool this will tell you like the level of films that he chooses uh one of his last episodes was mortal Kombat annihilation (laughs) that's awesome (laughs) so this is the type of movies he puts himself through for the show and yeah he i think he is bi-weekly he has not missed a single episode like and just continues and i think during halloween he will usually go weekly with the show and just try to cover a bunch of horror films during that time and yeah, I recommend this show. He's uh, available on iTunes, um, and I believe he's on like most of your podcasting apps as well. And obviously, we'll send links to both of these in our show notes. But yeah, highly recommend the Terrible Terror podcast if you're looking for something just fun and very entertaining because he does a very great job doing this. 
Awesome. 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 So I guess we'll take a short break now so you can hear from one of our podcasting friends and we'll be back with our main topic. All right. This is Bo from legionpodcasts.com. Hey, it's been a crazy time. And when the world gets nuts, we're happy to offer some old fashioned podcast entertainment. But for some folks, getting a laugh out of a show isn't really helping these days. People who depend on tips in their bartending jobs or have been put on furlough with no pay till the worst of this coronavirus threat has passed. That's a tough spot. That's why we set up a GoFundMe for members of our community, a sort of grand scale, take a penny, leave a penny. For people like myself, for whom the recent disruptions haven't kicked us out of work, well, we can drop a few of those extra pennies in the GoFundMe jar. For those who are directly affected by recent events, and find themselves looking for money to pay the electric bill or keep the water on, well, how about you give me a shout at bo, B-O, at legionpodcasts.com. Let me know the situation and what you need, and we'll do our best to make life a little easier. And you can find links to the GoFundMe on the front page of legionpodcasts.com, on our Facebook group page, or on Twitter at legionpodcasts, where it's the pinned tweet. For those of you who are able, thanks in advance for chipping in. And members of our community who need a hand, hey, here we are. Remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and we're all going to get through this together. Legion isn't just a name, it's who we are. Thanks for listening to all the shows here on Legion Podcasts, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, so we are on to our main topic for the night. And for this episode, we decided to cover the history of verbal storytelling and urban legends. Um, I'm going to be kind of dis discussing a bit of the history and the definition of what an urban legend is right off the bat. And uh, an urban legend is a fictional story rooted in modern pop culture. You can think of urban legends as today's folklore. Just like traditional folktales, they are based on real parts of culture and often real people. However, in most cases, the details have been exaggerated, ultimately making the stories false. They can take the form of, of an elaborate joke or a hoax, a rumor gone too far, unsolved mysteries and crimes, popular misconceptions or beliefs, and so on. Some urban legends may be completely plausible, while others may have supernatural elements that make them less believable or clearly not true. Either way, their truthfulness, truthfulness is always questionable, but perhaps also difficult to disprove. In the past, legends were historically relevant and usually, usually related to real human events in one way or another, but hadn't been proven or documented as having actually happened. So throughout history, people had no way to prove whether a legend was true or false. What's more, they were passed on verbally, slowly spreading and evolving over the years, decades, and even centuries. But today, with the help of the internet and many other resources, urban legends are passed on quickly and easily but it is also usually pretty easy to at least prove whether or not it has real basis in fact. In this way, urban legends today are often easily debunked regardless of their truthfulness. Some urban legends are silly and lighthearted while others may actually be quite scary or disturbing. And I brought up a little bit, an article from Wikipedia here that uh, says that many urban legends are framed as complete stories with plot and characters the compelling appeal of a typical urban legend, urban legend is its elements of mystery, horror, fear, or humor. Often they serve as cautionary tales. Some urban legends are morality tales that depict someone, usually a child, acting in a disagreeable manner only to wind up in trouble, hurt, or dead. 
urban legends will often try to invoke a feeling of disgust in the reader, which tends to make these stories more memorable and potent. Elements of shock value can be found in almost every form of urban legend and are partially what makes these tales so impactful. Most urban legends will also include an element of something that is supernatural or paranormal. Many of the most well-known tales will try to balance out the normal with the paranormal. Stories that stray too far into the paranormal aspect are usually not as regarded as ones that will attempt to keep some sort of basis in reality. The person that tells that, and uh, you know, these, these type of urban legends are, you know, kind of like the stuff we talk about around campfires, it, especially when we were younger, just wanted to tell each other a scary story. And one of the things that you almost always hear is that when the person gets ready to tell the story, he will usually, he or she will usually start off by saying they know someone who had this happen to them. So a friend of a friend or a story of a f parent's friend that they heard from their parents, et cetera, et cetera. Have you ever done that? Um, back when I used to go to summer camp, um, when I was a young kid, we would tell like silly ghost stories and we'd take turns doing that. And it'd be like, oh yeah, so this happened to one of my friends or, oh, my parents told me about this, that this happened to someone they knew. And yep, total, uh, this was like a total memory lane thing. Cause like so many people have done this over the years. It's just you, do you believe in urban legends? Some of them. Some of them, I'm just, I shake my head that are way too ridiculous to be real, but there are some that I go, that could have happened. Do you think I believe in urban legends, Scott? I think you do. I do. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you a story that happened actually to me. Oh, please do. So many years ago, um, I, when I was in university, I befriended a individual that lived out in four degree. So for my American brothers and sisters, that's just on the other side of Buffalo. Okay. And, um, myself and another girlfriend went out to see her and we were staying at her place and we went to an outdoor concert and I was driving. So I wasn't drinking and it was, it was one of those free concerts. Anyway, we saw the tea party. So for any of my Canadian people, you know who the tea party are, maybe nice. some random, Amer oh, you know, tea party. Yep. Yeah, I've seen them in concert a couple of times. I'm a pretty big fan. That's awesome. Jeff Martin and his hair. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so we leave it and leave the concert, and it's really foggy. And Fort Erie is a very like it's near it's near the water, so it's near the Niagara River. And we're driving along, and we're and we're you know blasting music and whatever. And I and all of a sudden in my headlights, I see this dog, and it's a big dog, and it's rabid looking. It's it's shady, like a shaggy. It looks like it's been sick. And I scream and I swerve. Like it came out of nowhere. And I, I, of course, got out of the car. The dog was gone. Hmm. Nothing. And it was literally like inches from my car. Oh, wow. So I swerved and thought, oh, my God, I hit it. And there was nothing there. And I turned to my two girlfriends and I said, and even before I got the words out, I'm like, did you? They're like, see the dog? I'm like, yeah, you saw that, right? They're like, yeah. That ugly, like, fucking sick-looking dog that was huge? I'm like, yeah, you saw that. They're like, yeah, we did. Huh. So to this day, I will never know if that was a an animal, and I just happened to swerve in time. Right. Or if it was something else. And that, that didn't happen to a friend of a friend. That motherfucking happened to me. Right. Exactly. <laughs> And I remember we went back to her place and like 
we drove back from Fort Neary the next day and it's about an hour drive. And I remember thinking like, I'm like, so you saw that last night. She's like, no, I'm like, like Heather, like you said it, we said it before you said it to us. Like, it's not like you said it and we just jumped on the bandwagon. Like we saw it too. And I'm like, fuck, like it was the weirdest thing that I've ever had happen to me. Supernat- I've had other shit happen supernaturally wise um, that has occurred. And so I'm a very big believer of supernat- supernatural stuff in urban legends. But yeah, that's, that's a campfire story. That is true. Yeah, that's awesome, actually. That's very, that's very creepy as well. <laughs> yeah, it is. And like, who knows, right? Like, it could have just been an animal. Right. I wasn't drinking. I, I had zero alcohol in my system. I don't even think the other girls, like, maybe they had a drink. Maybe. Like, we didn't have a lot of money. So, and it was at a concert. So, it would, we had to go in the beer tent and it's like 10 bucks a beer. So, right. <laughs> you weren't spending that kind of money as a university student. And yeah, it was a foggy night. But the fact that they saw the same thing that I saw before I said anything um tells me that i wasn't imagining it but who knows if it was real or something else yeah that is a very interesting story yeah like and yeah I, like you said that could have been anything it could have been yeah just but it's one of those yeah that's like exactly what you know urban legends can mm-hmm. come from exactly um, and that's kind of like uh you know me i got i have a couple stories as well like uh the one i think i told you about this one but like it's kind of like a ghost story in a way, but was uh, my brother was obsessed with Alice Cooper and there was a CD that he had to buy, or no, it was back with the Walkman, so it was a tape. And uh, we were on our way to like some vacation with our parents and we were in the back of the van and he bought this tape at a store on the way and it was the Hey Stupid album by Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. And he listened to the whole entire thing and I'm just chilling, watching TV or something in the back of the van and all of a sudden, he just rips his headphones off and just like, look, like he went white. And I'm like, okay, wh- what's going on? He's like, I, I, I don't know. Listen to this. And he rewound it just a few seconds. And I think the song was called like, Toys in the Attic was playing. And it's the very last song on the album. And then it goes dead silence. And then my brother's name, just so I can finish the story here, is uh, his name, Steve. Uh, but you go on for a few seconds afterwards and then all of a sudden just this very faint voice you just hear steven oh wow and then nothing and i heard it and it freaked me out but i'm going okay that's got to be just on that must be just some weird like after after thing on the on the tape well we end up going to his aunt's house a couple years later and she has the record album of it so we're like oh well it's see if it's on there couldn't find it like went all the way to the end didn't hear it wow um a friend of ours bought the cd and we listened to it didn't have it yeah so steve was like all right i'm gonna go buy the cd because i really like this he buys the cd it's on there again so i i don't know what why or how but yeah it was whenever he bought it it was on there and it would say his name at the very end of the at the end of the disc or the end of the tape that's crazy right and like there could be a logical explanation on how that one was cut and somebody did that as a joke um you know but you don't know and that's the fun thing about urban legends right exactly like i and it's just one of those that like it creeps me out but it's one of those that i just tell everybody about because it's just so bizarre absolutely uh but yeah i guess we can kind of move into what is now uh 
the new age version of urban legends and you know a lot of people know them now as considered creepypasta from the creepypasta website mm-hmm. uh an online crowdsourced fiction like the stories on the creepypasta wiki is the subject of increasing study in literature and mass media academic circles where the form is seen as a novel take on an ancient human pastime the crowdsourced fiction bears similarities to the folklore that was once passed down orally through generations only now the myths are minted online in a matter of hours or days and it is home to a thrilling new form of immersive interactive human storytelling now have you ever been to the creepypasta website yes i have there are there are some very fascinating stories on there at like some you know long-winded ones some very short ones mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah a lot of what you could consider not like new age uh urban legends absolutely like you know obviously one of the most well-known ones would be the slender man mm-hmm. which you know was this th- uh was a thread that was called create paranormal it was created on this thread called create paranormal images and it encouraged people to create these ethereal images the idea was to photoshop the freakiest things you could hopefully giving birth to a brand new urban legend in the process and that's what happened with victor surge who created two images of what was dubbed the slender man a black and white photograph that looked at first like simple images of kids playing but which held some terrifying secrets if you looked hard enough showing a tall lanky humanoid figure wearing a black suit and a featureless face who can be seen just hiding in the background and you know the reason the Slender Man well, became so well-known is because of the horrible crime that happened with these two girls that ended up killing another girl. Well, they didn't kill, they tried to kill her. She actually survived. Oh, oh she did. Okay. Yeah, I, I watched a special on it because I was so angry. Um, and they left her for dead, but a jogger happened to find her and uh, or okay. a bicyclist or something like that. And she survived. She, I don't know how she did because they stabbed her quite a bit, but she managed to survive. Yeah, and that's incredible, because wasn't it, and it's, I'm trying to go off the top of my head here, but wasn't it because they were saying the Slender Man told them to? Yeah, the one girl believed that for, to make Slender Man happy or to please Slender Man, they had to do a sacrifice and convince the other one that they should kill their friend. Yeah, that's, that's really crazy. And like, that's, that's exactly how an urban legend is born right there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and obviously there is a movie that had come out recently in like the last couple of years, but I, I have not seen that. Have you? Um, so this was where I'm going to probably show a little bit more of my political hat. I kind of, as much as I like the figure and I did mention that I thought it was cool when I saw it at a Halloween, cause I enjoyed the story off of creepypasta. I didn't really agree with the movie being made about it because of what happened with these young girls. Gotcha. Um, I think that we, you know, that's a young age to go out and, engage in that kind of behavior to try to harm someone so i've you know chosen not to watch the movie because of that i've also heard it's not a great movie but i have a hard time knowing you know what was interpreted from creepypasta and i don't think that was ever the intention like of creepypasta i think the character itself is cool but i didn't really like the fact that they made a movie afterwards after okay that makes about sense. what happened so i have I, not <laughs> yeah because yeah, i never bothered with it either uh because i yeah i just one of those like at that time i just had no interest well and i've heard it's not that great i don't know maybe people on the page can comment i just you know i think the story of it is fine on creepypasta like i think that that's cool i read that i think that's interesting um you know i yeah it's but i you're right it's a modern day urban legend bottom line is it's a modern day urban legend and it talks about what we're referring to yeah it absolutely does and 
this one I had not heard of, but I thought it was a very interesting. Uh, but I guess one of the newer ones that is out there is called the elevator game. Elevator game uh, involves entering an elevator alone in a building of at least 10 stories, then pushing the buttons in a certain order. The goal is to transport yourself to another world, a sort of mirror universe or alternate dimension. Getting back can be tricky, though, and if a woman enters the elevator at the fifth floor while you're in the middle of either the journey out or the return trip, do not look at her. Ever. And that's just like a kind of brief synopsis of what that story is about. I did not get a chance to go and look up the story yet, but I am very curious. However, it's pretty popular because apparently there is a movie that is uh, in pre-production right now called The Elevator Game, and it is based off of this urban legend game. That's really interesting. And also, if you follow, there's um, there's a YouTube channel, and I can't remember the name of it now, but I saw something that talked about this myth before. That's why it was familiar to me. Um, and people do play it. And I don't know. Like, I wouldn't play that. And, no. And I, I get that there's people out there that are listening to this and being like, oh, logically, come on. Nothing's going to happen. I just feel like there's too many things in this world that is what if that I don't feel like chancing it. Yeah, I'll say that's, that's the way I look at it. It's like, why take your chances? Yeah, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things. But yeah, that's interesting. Well, I guess it's going to be moving on to me then. So what we yeah. wanted to do is, you know, take a look at urban legends and films and some of our most popular films that are out there. So I looked up an article, Urban Legends, a Collection of International Tall Tales and, and Terrors. And it's an academic article that was written in 2009. And it breaks down urban legends into specific categories. So either they're meant as a warning, as you talked about before, others are meant as a storytelling, um, but all of them have a message. Um, um, and there's sometimes a focus on revenge of person that has been wronged or a warning. So one of the first movies that I wanted to talk about was A Town That Dreaded Sundown. So The Town That Dreaded Sundown, Sundown came out in 1976. Um, and Scott and I have both seen, I believe we confirmed that it's the sequels. Yes. Yes. So the film is loosely based upon the 1946 Texarkana Moonlight Murders crimes that were done by an unidentified serial killer known as Phantom Killer. So it starts off with the idea that this is a true story, and it talks about eight murders that had occurred. So the film is loose enough with the facts and that one family member of the victim filed a lawsuit in 1978 over the description of his sister or how his sister was shown in the film. The fabricated facts in the film have also caused rumors and folklore to spread for generations around Texter, Texcana. The film's tagline claims that the man who killed five people still lurks the streets today, causing the officials of the neighborhood cities to threaten Pierce over the ads in 1977. So obviously this was creating fear-mongering, right? If you start saying that the killer's still out there, then you're going to have people that are going to start to get upset. Yeah. Um, so we both saw the sequel that came out in October 16th, 2014. I only just saw it recently, though. I think I saw it this year. Um, back in, like, maybe January or February sometime, I think I watched it. Um, it was interesting. I got to say, it was a good movie. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was like, really cool. Because I think I've seen it probably in, like, 2015, 2016, somewhere around there. And, yeah, I, I thought it was a really... Uh, good horror film 
Nice, nice, nice. So the legend, um, so the text of Moonlight Murders, a term coined by the news media, was a series of unsolved murders and other violent crimes committed in and around the Texarkana um, in the spring of 1946 by an unidentified serial killer. So the interesting thing about the serial killer is he would murder people that were parking. Right, so it was on this idea of the sex mania um, that the individual had issues with people that were engaging in sexual activity, presumably out of wedlock, because if you are married, you would have a house <laughs> right. that you would be having sex in, and you would not be going to park. And I think that that's really interesting because I feel like it really does try to promote um, this idea of no sex outside of marriage. Because as we know from our last episode, birth control pill was only introduced in the 60s. And up to that point, you were relying on things like the pullout method. I don't even know how widely condoms were used. Probably not in the 1946 at all. Yeah, I don't think it. Um, so you were relying simply on the pullout method to hope that you did not become impregnated. And I think, you know, as most of us are aware, young ladies are the most fertile when they're younger mm -hmm. and it is much easier to become pregnant. So I don't know if you've ever gone parking, Scott, but um, has this ever been a concern for you? Um, well, kind of funny because we did have a place called Fireman's Alley in Montrose that was just like this weird dirt road that no one went down. There was no houses, no nothing. And we would just drive down it, park, and be like a makeout place. And, you know, it's not like in the movies where you see like 20 to 30 cars lined up and everyone's making out in the same spot like you see in some movies. Yeah. It was just, it was just more like a place like some of our friends had known about. So we'd just go there like and take whoever we're with to make out. But yeah, I, I was always worried about finding uh, someone finding me or like mm. catching us and not knowing who that person could have been. So I, <laughs> I went to a lot of makeout places in cars. <laughs> oh my god, I was like listing them in my head, and I'm like, oh yeah, I went there, I went there, I went there. Wow. <laughs> anyway, um, there was one particular, and Christian, I don't, I don't think Christian listens to this show, but it's a place called Kearns Park. Um, it was a very notorious um, area as well as we have a, a little airfield. Now, when I say an airfield, it's for model airplanes. Okay. okay. Like one of those like, you know, small aircrafts, not like big aircrafts. And um, we go there and there were many, many a makeout sexy time sessions I have had in cars and blankets and such. Uh, but one time I was dating this guy and I still lived at home and we decided we were going to stay out all night long. Okay. Like we were just going to stay up till I think I told my parents I was sleeping somewhere else and we just drove around all night and we went to this this park area and we're sitting there in the car and we're just talking and uh lights come up behind us headlights and the headlights go off and uh an officer gets out of the car uh-oh and walks up to my window and I of course roll it down and I'm like good evening officer you know typical stuff and he's like what are you guys doing? I'm like, oh, we're just up here talking. And he turns to me and he goes, ma'am, are you in the car because you want to be in the car? Oh. And I said, <laughs> my poor boyfriend was like, please God say yes, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, sir. And I'm trying not to laugh, right? Because it's a legit question. Like, it's a good question to ask. It's late, right. like four in the morning or whatever it was. And I'm like, yes, officer, I'm, I, I do want to be in the car. And we weren't doing anything. I think we were kind of like leading up to doing something, but we hadn't 
started yet. Right. Um, but yeah, it was it was pretty. And, and he left. He was like, "All right, guys, have a good night." You know, that was about it. Um, but yeah, it was it was the only time that I've ever been out somewhere, and I'm like, "Holy fuck!" <laughs> Just showed up and like shone headlights in my car. It's just like some urban legend come to life, and it just turned out it was a police officer. Um, but yeah, I have I have been parking many a times, and I I have been a little creeped out. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I I have been concerned. Obviously, not that concerned, considering I <laughs> did it a couple of times at least. <laughs> well, more than a couple, Scott. <laughs> well, I was trying to be just. Hey, you know what? I have no shame. I had I a good time. Don't. I know you don't. Like, there's nothing wrong. There was nothing wrong with the dude being there. There should nothing wrong with me doing either. So, um, but definitely now. You know, I have like zero interest in ever making it in a car again. First of all, I own my own house. So if I want to make it right. in a house, like it's going to be home. Um, and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you had a lot of car sex or whatever. It's, it's tricky. It, it, very, it really is. Yes. Right? I, I have had it that many times because Fireman's Alley, like I said. Right. And like, you're trying to like figure out the right position and you're trying to like, it's so awkward. You're trying to like climb over shit and take off your clothes. And, oh my god! Especially, like, especially if you have like a compact car. Oh yeah, totally right. And like, oh my goodness. Anyway, like, what a perfect opportunity for a killer to strike too. Really, yeah. like, you're like half like on a seat, and you're like pants are down around your ankles. You can't really run anywhere anyway. Like it's so <laughs> like no wonder. But I obviously this warning was was put out there to prevent premarital sex, right? So I think yeah. it's a very very interesting urban legend. Um, so the next one we're going to look at is When a Stranger Calls in 1979. So originally it was a short film called The Sitter, which was supposed to be just 20 minutes and was expanded. Because I remember you saying that you found this movie a little slow. Yeah, I'll say that explains a lot, actually, reading that. Because, yeah, the beginning and the end for me. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it's only supposed to be a 20 minute movie. So that's yeah. probably why, right? Um, so the main character, Jill Johnson, is babysitting the children. Of uh, Dr. Mancanis, Madrakis? Uh, Mandrakis, I think is Mandrakis, what it is. Mandrakis, um, at his home. And when the children are asleep, Jill receives a telephone call from a man who asks her if she's checked the children. Jill initially dismisses the telephone call as a practical joke. However, the calls become more and more infrequent and threatening. So this is back when you used to do prank calls still. Oh, yeah. Right? And, and Nicky Nicky Nine Door and all that other shit that people used to do. So anyway, she becomes more and more frightened. She calls the police and eventually she finds out that the children have been killed. Right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> the scene is not paying attention still. <laughs> yeah, I, I was, I'm reading on my phone your notes, so. Yeah, he's like, yeah, the kids died? He's shocked. He just found out himself. That's what happened. What? In the movie. <laughs> 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 it's too funny. Um, anyway, so and obviously an investigation continues into this. So this is based off of the legend of the babysitter and the man upstairs. So I've seen the remake of When a Stranger Calls as well. And it's very, like they use Jill's name and it's a little bit similar. And I do enjoy the chase scene in that movie. Um, but I think the original ties more to the urban legend than the remake does. So okay. a teenage girl is babysitting at night. The children have been put to bed. The babysitter's downstairs watching television. The phone rings. The caller tells her to check the children. Um, she dismisses the call, goes back to watching television. The anonymous caller dials back several times. Eventually, the babysitter calls the police, who informs her they're tracing the call. You know, then they call her to say that the call is coming from inside the house. So there's actually a several different outcomes to this story. Um, from the part of where she calls the police and the police call her back. So there's the 
there's the traditional ending where she evacuates the home and the police meet her and they find out the calls are coming from inside the house and the identified prowler, prowler was calling her after killing and eating the children upstairs. Right, obviously yeah. trying to get her to come upstairs and be killed as well. So some other outcomes include the caller turns out to be either one of the children or an elderly sibling or an elder sibling, sorry, not elderly, elder sibling who decided to scare the babysitter as a prank but they get told off by the police while being taken away by the police. The prowler whispers and says out loud, loud seeing you soon to the babysitter. Which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, right? it's nice and creepy. Um, and then the second one is, years later, the babysitter is now an adult and has a family of her own. One evening, she and her husband go to have dinner while a babysitter looks after the children. The evening is going well until the waiter approaches their table and says, there's a phone call for her. Like, this is back in the day where you would have to call the restaurant yep. and they would have to come get you, right? Like, talk about dated. She answers the phone and, and hears, did you check the children? And that is the ending and, and appears in some movie versions. I haven't seen When a Stranger Calls for a While. Is this how the movie ends? Um, it's, it's part of the ending, but it's, okay. it continues on after that. Does it? Okay. Um, and in some creepy pastas, the, the version the babysitter is increasingly unnerved by what she assumes is a hideous life-size statue of a clown in the room. When the parents call to check on the children, the babysitter complains about the statue and asks if she can cover it up with a sheet and move it from the room. The confused parents say that they do not have a clown statue. The babysitter is then attacked by the clown who turns out to be a murderer in disguise and a similar plot can be found in the film Amusement. So I don't know. Did you ever babysit Scott? Was that something that you ever did? Uh, I did it once and it was uh, like a daytime babysitting job. Okay. So you didn't have this nighttime. You're alone with the kids. No. You put them to bed. Yeah. This is definitely a chick thing because I babysat a lot, almost as much as I went to make out points. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously not on the same night um <laughs> but yeah like i babysat tons and i can remember there's something creepy about being in somebody's house without them home you know and it was different when i babysat for family friends but it was always weird when you babysat for people that you kind of knew and i used to work at the ymca so i get a lot of kids that i would end up babysitting for and I always wondered about this. Like, I never got crank calls, and I didn't actually usually pick up the phone when someone would call because by that point you had answering machines and stuff like that. But right. I think in the 70s, this could have been a really legit thing, you know, because you had to pick up the phone or someone would keep calling. And yeah. that was a real fear. Now, like, this movie would be like, I keep getting texts to check the children, right? Right, <laughs> someone exactly. Snapchatting me that the kids are dead. Like, it would be a completely different world but i think it was a legit concern um but i in my searching i really didn't hear of any real life cases where it happened but what do you think I, I i'm not sure what the urban legend is here is it to pay attention to the kids that you're babysitting like what is the point of this story um i yeah this one is i'm trying to think like i would probably yeah. say it's more just a uh scare tale of uh being home alone like maybe maybe like kind of a precautionary tale of lock your doors type deal yeah maybe you lock your doors you know be responsible as a babysitter don't be like not paying attention to the kids anyway or it's just something creepy you know it's yeah. just something meant to be creepy and whatever the case may be so the next one is the burning which i think you've seen this movie 
Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm twice. Yeah, just a few times. Just a few times. <laughs> and it's about Cropsey. So actually, the legend of Cropsey in this isn't like the legend that I found of Cropsey in other places, but we'll go with the Cropsey legend here. He's a caretaker who was burned due to a horrible prank and then comes back to kick ass and take names. Um, but the actual legend is about a gentleman named Andre Ran, and he was an American convicted kidnapper of two children and suspected serial killer serving 25 years to life in prison. Um, he's eligible for parole, for parole in 2037, and he's the subject of the 2009 documentary Cropsey, which states that he may have been the source of the Cropsey legend. Interesting. So interesting, right? So the Cropsey in The Burning is basically a pissed off caretaker who comes back to take revenge. So very much a campfire story of, you know, maybe you shouldn't pull really mean pranks on people because they're going to come back and fuck your shit up. Yep. But this other one is is really fascinating. Have you heard about this actual the actual legend quote unquote before? No, like I knew of it, like but I've never heard and like actually heard the legend. I I actually wanted to watch that Cropsey documentary before we got to this, but I don't I was not able to find it. Yeah, I saw it on we have it on Prime here in Canada. I didn't watch it because I felt like it didn't really fit the theme of a film and tying in a legend into a film. Um, an urban legend into a film, but I thought it was an interesting, an interesting comparison. So who knows? Maybe yeah. it'll do something with that as another Cropsey movie. And then, you know, back in my my heyday, <laughs> I know what you did last summer, 1997. is loosely based on the 1973 novel by the same name by Lois Duncan, and it's the first installment in I know what you did last summer trilogy. I have not seen the the third one. Like I'll always know what you did last summer. I yeah, I, I never bothered with that one. I didn't go there. Um, I did watch I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, and that wasn't as good. Um, For those of us who like I Know What You Did Last Summer. um, Heather and I. (laughs) Yeah. For Scott and I. Uh, The film centers on four young friends who are stalked by a hook-wielding killer one year after they cover up for a car accident in which they killed a man. The film also draws on inspirations known from the urban legend known as The Hook, Um, and so does and the 18th slash the 1980 slasher film prom night and house on sorority row. So that's apparently some other inspirations for this movie. So the hook legend, the hook or the hook man, an urban legend about a killer with a pirate like hook for a hand attacking couples in parked cars. So this is interesting because this talks about parking again, right? So the story is thought to date back to at least the mid fifties and it gained significant attention when it was reprinted in the advice column of Dear Abby in the 1960s. Um, and it's become a pop part of pop culture. So the idea is that the basic premise is a young couple cuddling in a car, cuddling in a car. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure that's what that we're doing. I was just cuddling as well. Yeah. Um, suddenly a news bulletin report uh, reports that a serial killer has just escaped from a nearby institution. The killer has a hook for one of his hands. And for various reasons, they decide to leave quickly. And in the end, the killer's hook is either found hanging on the door handle or embedded in the door itself. And then other variations talk about scraping on the door, um, the couple spotting the killer, warning others, narrowly escaping. And another version, um, you know, the man goes to confront the figure, comes back and finds his girlfriend dead. So it's interesting in, I still know what you did last summer because they didn't necessarily take that approach. No. Um, they, hit, they hit the man, but if you look at where they were coming back from. So if you look at the scene prior to that happening, they were drinking. Yep. Both couples engaged in premarital sex. Um and they committed this crime and did not want to take ownership for it because they didn't want their futures destroyed. 
And of course, as the film goes on, their features end up getting destroyed anyway. Yep. And revenge ends up coming back to haunt them. Have you heard of this story? Like, have you told the Hookman story? Or like, I've never told the Hookman. I've never told the Hookman story, but yes, I have. I have had it told to me in both of those variations at different points. Is that? Did you ever have the Hookman stalk you when you were hooking up with them ladies, Scott? I, I well, um, <laughs> there was one time, like in the fireman's alley, where I must have parked too close to a tree on the side of the road, and the branches were scraping against the door. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> when, it, when the wind picked up, and oh, that freaked me out. But I, you know, common sense, I realized what it was. But Did, still, so like, were you with a a, a part like a girlfriend, a one night stand? Like, I don't, was it a was it someone that you knew well? I guess is what I'm getting to. Yeah, it was a. Uh, because, yeah, this one I don't think it was, like, to make out. I think this was just me and one of my uh, lady friends at the time, just, you know, high school friends, just out there, away from everybody, smoking weed. And talking. Yeah. And you like, hoping you were going to make out. Well, of course. <laughs> Scott, Scott was always hoping that would happen. If I give her some weed, maybe. D no. Um, <laughs> just kidding, Scott. It would have been consensual. I know you would have got consent. But... Yeah, I was saying more like Scott would have been, like, I'm going to smoke weed with this chick, and then, well, in my head, that'd be cool if it happens, but I'm not going to make no move. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. You would just sit there and, like, stare at her. <laughs> Did you like the weed? Was it good? <laughs> are, you high, are you as high as I am? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm high on you, anyway. Oh. Uh, I know, right? Man, if I was a dude, oh, fuck. You would have somebody good. Dave, you and I could go out, and we could just pick up the ladies that's that's what would happen <laughs> um but anyway i i think that's really creepy that those branches were hitting the car like i would have been was she creeped out was the girl creeped yeah. out yeah i yeah. think it's because and it doesn't help that we were both stoned off our ass and paranoid oh, as yeah. it was right like how we're <laughs> scott and i are showing what delinquents we are oh we totally uh, are but i mean and do, when we're teenagers who who wasn't at that age yes teenagers <laughs> <laughs> well Teens, early 20s, mid 20s. Yeah, 30s, last week. Just judging. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever works. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think that's, I think it's interesting. It does set that, you know, seed of doubt in your mind. Yet again, planting that seed of doubt. Yeah. We talked about that in our Haunted Attractions episode. So, Urban Legends 1998. I think this is obviously, you know, Urban Legends. <laughs> Talking about urban legends. Um, so that the plot focuses on a series of murders on the campus of a private New England university hmm, that's filmed in Toronto, by the way, as I found out. Um, all of which appear to be modeled after popular urban legends. In addition to its younger cast, the film features, you know, Robert England's in it, Loretta Devine, John Nedville, and Brad Dorf. Um, so yeah, I thought that's kind of cool. I didn't realize. I forgot that Loretta was in that, but yeah, she was. She yeah. was like the wise woman that was talking about urban legends, I think. So some of the urban legends that are included in the movie is the killer in the backseat. The legend involves a woman who is driving, being followed by a truck or, or a car or a truck. And the mysterious pursuer flashes his high beams, tailgates her, and sometimes even rams her vehicle. When she finally makes it home, she realizes that the driver was trying to warn her that there was a man or a murderer or escaped mental patient hiding in her back seat. There's also the one about the gas station, which happens in Urban Legends. Yes, it does. Right? And that poor gentleman who's stuttering. Like, did that scene not, like, pull your heart out of your chest? 
Oh, it totally did. Because I think that was the scene that I think that was Brad Dorff's scene. I think he was the gas station attendant. Yeah, and he's and he's trying to tell her, but he can't get the words out. And she drives off, and you see him yell, "There's a man in your backseat!" Yep. And something happens to him. I believe he gets killed because they can't find him again. I remember they oh, yeah, that's right. the gas station attendant, but we weren't able to find him. So the guy probably the killer or the individual that's a killer comes back to take care of him which is a little dicey because i don't know if that killer could have taken down that dude but anyway right right but um yeah like you know and, and obviously it's trying to say don't judge a book by a cover by its cover um realize that someone's trying to help you even though they may look sketchy or whatever they could be somebody there to support you so i thought that was interesting that they opened it up with that scene um where are we here so as we talked about the moral so the hooded killer uh couple parks and hooks them or sorry the hook killer the couple parks and the hook and the hooks them in this case a dude is hanging by um but in a parka like do you remember the scene like him and this girl go and they're gonna make out and then he gets killed and he's hanging yep and he's hanging above the car recent yeah and he's like scraping the car with his feet yep Right? That's what she hears. Yet again, we've already talked about that legend earlier, so I won't go into great detail with that. The headlight flashing, which caused the whole thing. So this is why the killer was so mad. So beginning in the late 1980s, a widespread rumor regarding flashing headlights was spread mainly through facts. (laughs) (laughs) So dated. (laughs) I imagine, like, on a fax machine and being like, Flashing headlights will get you. Um, <laughs> later on, the internet. I love when people say that internet, right? Yeah. It's like a thing you go to, the internet. The interwebs. Uh, the interweb, right? So the rumor started that various gangs across the United States carried out um, initiation where, you know, the driver drives around and with his headlights off and whichever driver flashes his headlights in response, unlit car becomes a target and they basically play chicken for a lack of a better word or they chase them down or whatever so have you heard of this or have you ever seen people doing this yep this is a i've never seen people doing it but this was one that was always kind of a warning to us teenagers when we Mm. first got our cars and driver's license and stuff like that to be careful on this and blah 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 and like obviously like it could have happened at some point but not not no country town like i was living in yeah it it didn't not that I knew up, but I won't. I would never go and say that it hasn't. I'm probably sure this has happened. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure that people have done this. Um, the rumor has been re- has been proven and ur- has been a proven an urban legend. So um, it says that it's been proven an urban legend. I think people have probably done this. I don't know if someone's got hurt, but I'm sure people have stalked someone with their headlights and been a dicks and stuff like that. Obviously, oh it's for not sure, a good idea. But um, and the next one was pop rocks and soda so the rumor persists that eating pop rocks and drinking soda would cause a person's stomach to boil and explode okay so this movie came out in 1998 i would have been 15 i kind of bought into this guy like i'm a little embarrassed to say but i was like is that true that can't (laughs) be true that doesn't make any sense now like 37 year old heather's like that's the fucking dumbest shit i've ever heard (laughs) you know i'm like quit it and i I wouldn't do it (laughs) I, I, I got challenged to do it because, like, we were just, like, joking around because... Oh, yeah. Um, but they, uh, like, I think someone said, all right, uh, I'll give you, like, 10 bucks if you do it. So I said, screw it. I'll chance it. And I did it. And nothing happened. Scott is still here today. Um, or am I? Or is he? Now, I like the scene, though, because the guy, like, pretends to 
you know, convulse or whatever in front of the lecture hall. I always thought that was really cool. But then later on, it's mixed with, I think it's bleach or some kind of chemical cleaner and the kid does die. Yep. So later on in the movie, he, it is mixed with, which would obviously kill anyone. But there was such a concern about this that they actually did a test back in the 70s to confirm that this was not a thing. <gasps> Isn't that funny? Just to assuage and, people's fears. Yeah, just to like make sure people were like, no, if you take Pop Rocks, if you take Coca-Cola, you're not going to die. But that goes to tell you the power that legends can have and storytelling can have, right? It can make people believe things and they need to be proven otherwise. Yep. So Urban Legends 2. Okay. Real talk. Besides one urban legend in this, the rest are really shitty. Like they're yeah. real like loosey goosey urban legends. Oh, they but totally are. This movie, and Scott's heard this story a million times. My girlfriends went to Trent University, which is exactly where this movie was filmed. And when it came out in 2000, uh, my girlfriends were in their, so it came out in 2000. They went to that university in 2002 and myself and a couple other friends would go up to see them. So they're about a two and a half hour drive away from where we are. And we would stay with them in their dorm rooms. And my one girlfriend, Amanda and I would watch this movie and we get lit. (laughs) 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 We would run around the campus. Um, Like, God, don't I sound like a delinquent? On this podcast. You are you, you are such a troublemaker. <laughs> Making out, getting drunk on campuses. Like, I'm just a good time. You know, like, really, let's just be real here. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it it's so it The movie is not that good, but that campus is really that beautiful. Oh, it is. Um, the architecture is insane. I it's love insane. the look of it. You know, and we would go and, like, there's specific scenes where you see the killer, and we would go there. Like, the clock tower, tower is a thing. Like, were that nice. final scenes in the clock tower? That was at that university. Like, that it's, cool. it's really, really, really cool. But the urban legends, mm, not so much. So um, the only one that I kind of always thought was interesting was the, the kidney thing. Oh, so yeah. Waking up in a, in a tub of ice. So in the age of organic transplants and donor shortage, this little myth of, you know, an unsuspected person being kidnapped and having their kidney removed. <laughs> Like, it is scary. The thought of that happening is quite frightening. Oh, absolutely um, you is. You could go to a bar, get drugged, and, sh- and and there is, like, a black market for organs. Like, that's not exactly a, you know, a far-fetched thing. I think it's one of the ones I'm most scared of because I feel like I'm like, yeah, that could happen. Yeah, that and this is happen. one of those urban legends that has been around for a very long time, too. And I feel like this has occurred just because yeah. of the black market for organs. Oh, absolutely, especially now with the uh, the dark web. Like it says here that they're worth you like American dollars wise over ten thousand, and I you know I don't know if that's a, we have like some sources here, but I don't know how accurate that is. But I think that's really interesting, you know. It, anyway, I think it's a, a valid urban legend, one of the better ones that they put in here. So some other ones that are in here, um, Amy recounts about a, an urban legend about a student screaming at midnight to relieve tension causing a brutal assault to go unnoticed. And this is later reenacted with one of the character's deaths. Uh, Sandra tells of a burrito contained with a crockroach egg. And then the egg hatches inside the girl's nose, which I don't quite get how the egg that's going to be in your stomach, but anyway, right. Um, And of a chicken sandwich containing pus from a chicken's tumor. Yeah. And the, Um, the burrito one that, uh, you know what that reminds me of the scary stories to tell in the dark 
story of the girl that ha- thought she had the pimple on her face and it was the egg sack of the spiders. Oh, yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, in the movie. Yep. Well, yeah. and even in the book, too. No, that's right. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, because everything was taken from the books for the movies. That's a good one. I forgot about that one completely. Uh, Vanessa warns Travis that the cell phones cause cancer. I feel like this is still something that's talked about. <laughs> yeah. change. We think cell phones also caused or well, what is it that you guys think? G5, the oh, 5G, 5G caused COVID-19. Right, right, right. That's another urban legend that's super accurate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the first scene of Amy has a girl discovering the corpse of her dog who supposedly licked her hand at night in the shower. The message humans can lick too. Um, I, heard, I heard this as well in another movie that we watched, and I can't remember which one it is. Um, but yeah, it's another urban legend story yeah but that one i've been told around a campfire before too yeah right and which is i think it's very upsetting to think about a dead dog yeah i could see that being like an asshole piece of shit ex-boyfriend or someone that's like an yep. abusive piece of shit like i that probably has happened but it's probably a domestic abuse situation um the basis for one of the scenes in Amy's film is a carnival displaying fake corpses in the Tunnel of Terror. As the carnival moves around, several children are missing and the fake corpses are, are, are revealed to be real. So it's obviously about a student making a film or writing a screenplay on Urban Legends. It's, it's you know, not the best movie, but I just have a nostalgia for it because of where it was filmed, straight yeah. up. And um, it, that's it's it's still fun to watch. It is like they're bubblegum films, but really the first Urban Legends was really the first one that really kind of exposed Urban Legends. And then I wanted to include this one because it's probably one of my f- one of my top favorite movies of all time is Sleepy Hollow. Love that movie, right? Um, so Sleepy Hollow is actually a village in the town of Mount Pleasant in Worcester County, New York, and the village is located on the east bank of the Hudson River, about 30 miles or 48 kilometers from my Canadian friends, north of New York City, and is served by Philly's Manor Stop on the Metro North Hudson Line. The short story for Sleepy Hollow was written by Washington Irvin and was inspired by um, an actual Hessian soldier who was decapitated by a cannon during the Battle of White Plains around Halloween. Uh, 1776. 1776. Yeah. Um, so the original story is obviously very different than the movie. Um, Ichabod Crane is trying to court uh, Katrina Van Tassel and he is um, rebuffed by her and he leaves and that's when he's chased by the headless horsem and he's never seen from again. So that's the original tale, but obviously the movie is different. Um, and I wrote, why is this? And I think obviously because the movie would have been pretty freaking short. if <laughs> Right. Johnny you know. Depp's character is just gone right away. Right. And I do like the adaptation of the story. I like the fact that he plays a police officer who's more into evidence and faith-based stuff. And he goes to this town and he's trying to discover what the murders are caused. And all the murders are done well like it's yeah it's sad um spoilers there is a child that is killed which i always found that i still find that scene hard yeah because you think the kid's gonna get away and he doesn't yeah um and i thought the acting in it was good i thought christina ritchie was pretty good in that role yeah um i thought her and johnny depp had some great chemistry together uh christopher walken is great in that movie i can watch that movie over and over again and walking is so creepy in that too. Yeah, like it's just a really, really good movie. And even though it it deviates from the from the story, I still think it's a really solid film. Oh, it absolutely is. Right. So these are those are historical 
urban legends. So they're legends that have been taught for a story or revenge or warnings. But then we have, as this article that I mentioned earlier talks about, the development of, of contemporary uh, urban legends. So instead of urban legends being devoted to just one space or one event, the idea is with urban legends of today, they can be anywhere and they can spread out and they can affect anyone at any location, which makes them scarier and makes sense with global expansion. Yeah. Right. So one of the ones that really does fit this is Candyman. Oh yeah. Right. So Candyman came out in 1992 and it's based on the short story, the forbidden by Clyde Barker, which I've never read. Have you read the short short story? I have not. Uh, I do know that it's like uh Candyman is uh, haunting a male instead of a female. Yeah, I haven't read it, so I have no idea. Um, but my understanding is the similar haunting piece is the same. Um, so in Candyman, a university student named Helen is doing a thesis on graffiti and selects a rundown, basically living complex, apartment building, whatever, to focus in her study. And as she notices the disturbing graffiti, she begins to learn about the legend of Candyman and how he was murdered and what he continues to haunt. And Rolling Stone magazine talked about that this really continued to promote the, the racialized fear of black men against white women. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't and think I, about it that way. Yeah, and, and, they, and they talk about this as well in the documentary um, – Noir, oh horror noir. noir, yeah, noir. Um, and I think it, and and Tony Todd's like that's not the impression I got from that movie, but I think it's a very interesting argument because if you do look at the seduction, and the how that community is presented, mm -hmm. and some lines that are said in that community, uh, particularly when Helen and her research assistant, who is black, uh, meets one of the residents and goes into her apartment and she makes a comment about white people not usually being there for good reasons, usually just police and something and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that really goes to speak about what we're dealing with in society and that things that are happening are not a 2020 issue. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think it's, it's very fitting. I didn't pick that out purposely to reflect anything that's happening today because this has been happening for a long time. Yes, exactly. And I, I think it's a very interesting urban legend, right? So it's kind of this, this belief that Candyman can be anywhere. You know, it doesn't matter if you're parking at some certain area or you go to Sleepy Hollow. You know, it's not, you're not babysitting. You can look in the mirror and say Candyman five times. And I'll be honest with you, I would never do that. I've never looked in the mirror and said Bloody Mary. I've never said Candyman. I just don't want to chance it. Um, well, Funny story, because I have I have done this, and well, I'm just gonna just I guess everyone's just gonna know my crazy lifestyle. But this is probably about 15, maybe oh, I'd say probably about yeah, 16 years ago or so. I was over at my buddy's house. We took a hit of acid, and we were watching some scary movie. I forget what it was at the time, but he told me, "Hey, you should go in my bathroom with the lights off and say Candyman five times." And I'm like, oh my God, that's hilarious. Let's do it. I went in there and turned the lights off and I did it. But by the time I got to the fourth and fifth time of saying his name, I actually started getting scared. Like I actually was like 
because of the drugs I was on, I was starting to hallucinate thing that something was moving behind me, that there was something in the shadows that I that shouldn't have been there. And my friend's outside the bathroom laughing his ass off because he can hear me like freaking out in, in the bathroom while I'm doing this. Yeah, see, I wouldn't even do that. I don't need to be on acid. <laughs> right? I, I probably wouldn't have done it when I was sober, but being on acid, I'm just like, oh, that sounds like fun. You know, and I, so did you get to the fifth one? I did. Is that who's behind you right now? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I just, I, I think it's a really smart urban legend. Um, it is. And yes, even though, you know, people can argue that there's some, there's some, you know, racial commentary there or that there's not i'm not there to argue either side i think that this article with the rolling with that rolling stone published and we'll include it in our notes i think it presents a very good argument that there is but i think that urban legend is transferable to anywhere and any place and that's what makes it so scary yes it absolutely and does even though i don't have it in here technically i just realized so is the ring yeah. With the videotape, right? Um, that you watch that videotape in seven days that you die. And I remember like watching the film with the ring and um, my coworker, her son's like a real horror lover. So they watched the rings, the most recent rings, and they show the video in it. And when the video ended, he, he texted one of his friends to call the house. Nice. And whisper seven days. Is that not the funniest shit you've ever oh, heard? Oh, that is hilarious. This kid's 12. Oh my gosh, that's even better. Right? So anyway, it's but it's the idea that it can be infective anywhere, which leads to our next movie that you and I both watched, which was basically the 2000s throwing up in a movie. <laughs> yep, so was. <laughs> called Chain Letter from 2010. So first of all, I got to get a little bit of joking out of this movie. So, oh my God, Scott, like it had every trope character from the 2000s. Oh, it's like so rip off 2000 movie, like songs that I had never even heard, but totally sounded like from 2010. Um, the fashion that everybody having a cell phone, like, have you not seen things where like cell phones? I got a cell phone. Everyone, I have a cell phone. Hey, by the way, do you want to see my cell phone? Yeah, like here, here, like, you know, you know how bad <laughs> cell phones are? Cell phones are bad. Then, oh, look, look how popular all you kids are on your phones all the time. Everyone's a phone, 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 email, email, instant message, games, games. Like, it was like. <laughs> It was so, like, that era. <laughs> oh, my God. And it was just over the top. It was over the top of, like, 2000. <laughs> it so was. I, like, I was in tears laughing at some of this stuff because I'm like, yeah, this is, like, one of those bands that was probably made for this movie, but that band is, like, a band that I've heard before. And <laughs> Oh, my God. Like, and it just sounded like every typical song. Like, yeah. That you could, it was, like. <laughs> mix of like fallout boy blink 182 good charlotte simple plan like it was just anyway now that we got that out of our way oh and the people were like 30 playing <laughs> <Yes. laughs> it was like you and me pretending to be high school students <laughs> oh it so was <laughs> anyway the movie so now that we're done making fun of it the movie <laughs> premise isn't horrible so the the film is about six friends who are stalked by a murderer that uses chain letters to kill them if they don't pass on the chain letter to five people i hate chain letters i also hate Sorry. like i hate when people tag me in facebook statuses of like i've been challenged to post 10 albums that are really important to me i challenge you yeah i really I, I... hate that shit <laughs> Yeah, I can't stand doing that. I, I did it for a while with those, like, challenges. But, like, yeah, chain letters I always ignored. And, like, I get ones. And the chain letters, like, 
t still to this day exist because you get them in Facebook messages now from people like, uh, send this to 10 people and you'll be very lucky for the rest of your day or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh my gosh, totally, right? So in this movie, the chain letter is send this to people or something will happen to you. So some people do and some people don't. And the ones that don't, they get killed. Now, they don't get killed by a supernatural entity. They get p killed by a specific person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's based on the idea. So the urban legend is chain letters is a message that attempts to convince the person receiving it to make a number of copies and pass them on. So kind of like the ring, I guess you could say, the videotape. And the chain um, you know, is a growing pyramid. Right, so it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's usually used for emotional manipulation stories, get rich quick pyramid schemes, um, exploitation of superstition. Um, they were sent by mail. I remember when, like, you would get mail chain letters and you would be like, pass on the fight of your friends. I'm like, oh, yep. <laughs> like, that was such a chick thing. I don't know if dudes did that, but like, I've never received them, but I, I did like read books like Christopher Pike had a chain letter book, and that was like one like people would get the chain letter in the mail and they'd have to pass it on or something like a supernatural entity would attack them. You know, I'll be honest. It's the one thing I've never done. I have never passed on a chain letter. I think they're stupid. I thought they were yep. stupid when I was younger. And I think it's the only urban legend I don't subscribe to. But this movie for 2010, probably straight to rental, was fine. Yeah. You know, it it's it's not, I wouldn't pay for it. We We no. watched it on someone's Plex. Um... So yeah, if you really are interested, I don't know, maybe Google it, <laughs> right? Find it. Watch but a trailer I, or something. Watch first. a trailer. I will give them credit though for really trying to deal with the whole technology issue, and you know, using cell phones as that. You know, everyone is connected. Everything is connected, and even the logic they use about, well, how would they get my address? Well, everything's connected back to your VIN number, which goes to your billing company. Like there was some logic that they did interject into the film yeah. that was good enough as to why this was happening to them yep it definitely was right but it it definitely was a good way to bring in the modern day um urban legend and the final one that i will talk about today is the forest in 2016 and this movie was a very hard movie for me to watch i remember when it came out and uh, for listeners of this show, if I haven't fully shared it before, I have a very hard time talking about suicide. I have a very hard time understanding it. I don't, um, I don't judge people that have go gone down that road because all I can think is the pain must have been so bad that it's the only way to end it. Yep. Um, but I have a really hard time with it, a really, really hard time with suicide and the, and the thoughts of it. So this movie is about a young woman who travels to the – I'm not going to say this right. I feel like you're better at pronouncing – this shit oh, the uh okigahara perfect thank you forest so i'm just going to call it the suicide forest for the sake of pronunciation um to find her sister and the majority of the story is set around the suicide forest which is you know north best northwest base of mount fuji in japan so it's a very popular destination a lot of people have heard of it before it's also known as the sea of trees and um it's it's a very common area it's it's very beautiful but people do go there um, to seek solitude, solitude and at times also engage in suicidal activities. Um, so this movie is based upon that so much so that I feel like the movie was meant to explore that that's what happens to kind of like pull the bandaid off and probably do some exploitation as well. But they have a lot of suicide support signs throughout the forest and 
all that other kind of jazz. So this woman goes to look for her twin and goes into the forest and a lot of paranormal things happen to her. It's actually a very, very good ghost story. Um, okay. I would say that is it the best story ghost story in the entire world? No, I did pay to watch it and I don't regret paying for it. I do think it was worth the three ninety nine that I paid for the rental. Um, I don't know how someone from Japan would feel about this. I don't right. know if they would feel like I, I think that they did have a lot of authenticity. Like it was filmed at the forest. Like it was filmed there. Like they did go to the like I don't know if it, it was the scenes were in the actual forest, but they did film it outside of the forest and they did show some scenes like that. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely is an area where people do go and they and they kill themselves and it's believed that their ghosts and stuff like that haunt the forest and that they will encourage others to do the same. And yeah, the forest I, can check play games on your mind and stuff. Yeah, because I have actually heard of that uh, that forest before uh, this movie had come out too. Like it just because I had a couple of friends that were into the Japanese culture and mm. took a lot of like history classes and stuff and knew about this. Well, they do annual body searches all the time. Um, they've stopped reporting on numbers since 2011 because they felt like they were just promoting people going to this forest to commit suicide um but yeah it was it's a really interesting movie and even though this is obviously situational based it does talk about that urban legend and that kind of myth around suicide and i think that that's still an area that most of us don't really understand right and it's a very sad area and a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about it i know for me i'm uncomfortable talking about it which is why i pushed myself to watch this movie and talk about it in this podcast because if you're not uncomfortable you're not growing and um yeah i just i i thought that it's a you know maybe some of the listeners have better insight than i do um I do think the, the seclusion of the forest and I think your mind can, can play tricks on you. And I also do believe in ghosts. And I do believe that if someone dies in peril, they may walk this earth still in a form. So I, I could believe that that could happen to somebody. They could be in the forest already, not in the best state of mind and perhaps be visited by an entity. You know, people can think I'm crazy and that's fine or that I don't know what I'm talking about, but I, I do believe in that. Yep. And I, I am pretty much right there with you. Yeah. I, I would not go into this forest. Let's put <laughs> no, I would not chance it. I would not go into the forest. Did not happen nope. at all. Uh, and there was a couple movies that I was going to bring up that I watched that had urban legends tied to them as well. That uh, So the movies I wanted to bring up were one that was from 1983 called Nightmares. It is divided into four separate independent films originally made as a television pilot. Nightmares begins with Terror in Topanga, a story about a young woman who goes out one night to buy a pack of cigarettes, knowing full well that the infamous Canyon Killer is on the loose. And sure enough, a subtly menacing store clerk begins to loom large in the woman's journey. So once again, that gas station story from Urban Legends, uh, the man in the backseat mm-hmm. type story. Then there was the second story, which is Bishop of Battle, which is a sequence with an animation that details the saga of a video game champion who comes up against a supernatural opponent which I've seen that in multiple horror movies too, where like, especially in the eighties getting sucked into an arcade cabinet and like actually being in the game. Or yeah. That was an afraid of the dark episode too. Yep. Which I'll say afraid of the dark is a great uh, series that talks about a lot of urban legends as well. Yep. Absolutely. Then the 
third vignette in this was The Benediction, which is about a priest who gives up on his faith and takes off down the highway only to be confronted with a demonic minivan and good reasons for remaining a believer, which, once again, movies and urban legends always talk about this ghost car or devil car. Like, Christine was inspired by that by Stephen King. Mm. Then there is the last story, The Night of the Rat, which has the rodent that ate Manhattan, looming large over the home of a young couple, but never fear the husband is biased enough to handle anything, or so he thinks. <laughs> and that one, yep, just like the rumors of the, the gargantuan rats that live in cities and the sewers of New York and the streets and all that. Um, and then this one, this one has a lot of films that kind of dive into this type of... Uh, urban legend and it is called Antrim from 2019. It is a feature-length film shot in the late 1970s and is said to be cursed. In 1988 a movie theater in Budapest that was screening the film burnt to the ground killing the 56 people who were in attendance. This incident followed the inexplicable deaths of number of film festival programmers that had received Antrim as a submission and died shortly after watching it. These events have created a belief that watching Antrim will kill you and has successfully tracked down a sole co- this company successfully tracked down a sole copy of the film and packaged it for public release. The film is about a young boy and a girl that enter a forest and dig a hole to hell. As one programmer observed from Antrim, you don't watch the film, the film watches you. Is the forest the Japanese one or is it just a random forest? It's just a random forest. Mm, like interesting. And this is I think this is a film that was actually made last year, but like they were trying to play it up to be like made in the 70s and like they actually oh, had like okay. 20 minutes before the film actually starts of this documentary of people being interviewed about the film and like building up this myth and legend of it oh smart and uh yeah other movies that kind of tie along that would be john carpenter's cigarette burns from the masters of horror episode like about a cursed film uh the ring yeah like, there's a lot of these just like uh also the hills run red that one's another one that like these cursed films that something bad will happen if you watch them or try to find them Mm-hmm. And then this one, unfortunately, has a tragic tale along with the movie itself. So I'll talk about the movie first and then a little bit of the tragic tale. Uh, it's called Toad Road from 2013. Young James kills time with his small town druggy friends engaging in excessive chemical intake until he meets sweet new arrival Sarah. But just as James wants to abandon the, the narcotics life, Sarah wants him to take her further into mind-altering experimentation. And she also wants him to introduce her to the sinister local legend of Toad Road, a spot deep in the forest that is apparently home to the seven gates of hell. Real story behind this is the actress that played Sarah died either it was shortly after or during the end of filming from Aww. doing drug overdose on LSD. Oh man, that's sad. Yeah, so it just kind of like, but it's just like that, those types of urban legends that you know, you hear about something kind of like what I had with my friends that I told you about the Wakalar in Montrose, this random beast that we hear about and want to find out what it is. So you go out there and try finding it. And unfortunately, the story, bad things happen. Well, it's like when they, you know, even though the Blair Pro- Witch Project isn't realistic, it's also the belief of that too, right? It's right. Yeah. Trying to go out and then tragedy happening because something happens, whether it's supernatural or real. I guess right, you could exactly. say, based in reality. That's interesting. Very cool. Uh, but yeah, I just wanted to bring those up because I'd watched them and thought, like, I couldn't find, like, an exact spot to put them in our topic, but I was like, they needed to be mentioned. Yeah, and I hopefully given you guys as, you know, June is among us and campfires are happening and, you know, 
bars aren't open and <laughs> well they're getting open slowly depending where you live um rest and theaters but we don't have any new releases so if you're looking for some campfires tales we got some urban legends that you can take a look at yeah exactly and so we will go on to our final segment of the night, which is the Out of the Dark. And uh, on this Out of the Dark segment, we kind of talked a little bit about it uh, on our last episode, but we're going to talk a little more in detail about the Horror Hound Virtual Film Festival. Because uh, we, we watched a bunch of them on Sunday together, like on the last day that it was airing. So we got at least some movies we can talk about together. Yeah, and I, I'm not going to go over them in great detail. Like I, no. I like, I think just generally, um, I watched some, I think it was either, it's been a while now, Wednesday or I think Wednesday night I watched some. And I feel like as the film festival went on, they got better. Like yeah. the good ones were saved for, not that they were bad, but maybe the more polished filmmakers were saved for the Sunday night ones um, and Saturday probably over, you know, Wednesday. I watched one that was okay i think i watched imagine a world on that one i can't even remember what staglet was about I, maybe you watched that one yeah um, the Staglet one i cannot remember but uh, imagine the world was that one about the uh, internet door-to-door -door salesman yes that was the one so that was on sunday yeah um so maybe i'm thinking of another one then but the imagine a world was a toronto one it's filmed in toronto it's by a toronto filmmaker and the filmmakers were actually on talking in some cases in some of the like there was a side chat there was a chat room and then there's like a side chat and there was one point where i think scott had a hard time getting in mm -hmm. and i was chatting with i think it was the person that created imagine a world yeah um, it was and i really liked hide and seek i thought that one was really cool too dylan was really cool like these were short films they were maybe what 20 minutes in length i think ticks was even shorter it was like yeah ticks was like three minutes. minutes four minutes yeah something like that yeah it was really really short um, hide and seek was was a cool little concept. I would have liked to see that one as a bigger film. Yeah, um, I think that would have been a great opening to a ghost story film. In my opinion, anyway. I I think so as well. Yeah, because like a lot of that's why I like about a lot of these short films is like some of these you never know we may see them become full length feature films down the road. Like because uh, that was what was it the movie Lights Out that was based off of a short film. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So like there's a chance for these to eventually get there. And I think with the virtual film fest, like this is a way to help it. Like we were kind of talking last time, help these little directors, like with these little films get noticed uh, even more widespread because they're not just at one festival. They're being shown to anybody that signed up for this. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I thought that all of the films that we watched on Sunday were good. I didn't think any of them were bad. Yeah. Um, and I, I felt like it was worth the money. I finally got my credit card statement in. So it cost me $24. Okay, uh, so $6 cheaper. Uh, oh, yeah, then like the 30 I thought it might be. Yeah, yeah. that was just me doing a guesstimation with the dollar. Um, so, yeah, it was only 24 which isn't too bad. And it was worth it. You know, I would definitely recommend people doing this again. I think that, you know, some people might look at stuff like this and go, well, you don't know what's going to be there and – the films are good. Like if you watch yeah. like on the weekend, they're great. And for 24 bucks, we watched a bunch of short films. I saw two full like feature ones. The one I didn't care for too much was Stay, Stay Alive. I thought it was really good. Like it's, yeah. it was entertaining and I really enjoyed it. So I hope they do more stuff like this post COVID, post um, whatever. Cause I think it's a great way to get movies exposed and I have no regrets. It was something that I'm going to probably, when I look back at 2020, going to be something that I'm really glad that I did. Right. And I'm glad that you and I did this together too. Like, 
yeah gave us something fun to talk about and it's uh yeah like the 15 bucks like you were saying like someone said uh you know you never know what you're gonna get that's kind of the fun of it yeah absolutely you don't know what you're gonna get and it's not a lot of money to pay no. for the experience that you get to be quite honest with you you go to the movie theater you're dropping 24 bucks Canadian, yeah, for, anyway. yeah for one freaking movie or for popcorn and drinks <laughs> right right so like i you know we i remember i sat outside and i was watching this and i enjoyed it like it was a solid i think we started watching at six around there yeah and we watched it right till nine and for three hours straight I, we got a bunch of short films in feature like like the presentation the chat room on the little side or the chat group on the side was really cute um people just chiming in their opinions and stuff i i enjoyed it i would do it again i hope there's other ones that do it again this year because i'll definitely sign up and do it yep same here like i'm I'm going to be keeping my eye out on all these conventions now to see if they announce something like this from here on out. Yeah, we were talking, we, uh, we had a little quiz night last night with some friends and we were talking about conventions and stuff and um, some of these guys were sharing their, their horror merch and stuff that they had and it was really cool. You know, I think that it, it's, it's fun to connect with people that like the same thing you like. You oh, it know, definitely it's, is. It's enjoyable to sit down and you know, shoot the shit for lack of a better word with people that are into the same thing you're into. And Scott, Scott has an amazing horror collection. He has posters and action figures and um, a life-size pinhead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and among other things, he has a huge collection of physical media as well. And it's great that you can show that to people who care, you know, like, right. you, you know, the average person would look at a Nightbreed poster and be like, wow, <laughs> like right, our, exactly. our horror fans, like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Or, wow, you got that signed by um, whoever it may be, like Jason, or I don't know, Jason's not right, because there's lots of people that played him. But like, you, it's just a cool thing to have. Like, Scott's favorite movie is Gremlins. And last night, we were you know, playing this trivia with someone else who really likes gremlins and he was showing his gremlin connection. And I think that's cool. Like, I think it's nice to not feel like you're a freak or whatever for liking things. It's nice to talk with other people that like the same movies and being part of this film festival is just like a lot of little small community. Right. That yeah. is a great way of putting it too. Yeah. Cause like, you know, not many, there was, I think there was a hundred or so of us and that was about it. Yeah. And, and, you know, really, people were much more proactive. They were making proactive comments, and it's just cool. It's it's cool to be part of something like that. I I I dig it. I like being part of things where other people like stuff, the same stuff that I do. Um, it's unfortunate that all of us live so far spread out, but right. that's what technology has allowed us to do. You know, as much as we look at the chain letter <laughs> movie <laughs> and the and the arm that comes with technology, I guess you could say. Um, it also has allowed us to connect with each other. So yeah, I would say to people, if you're unsure about virtual film festivals, don't be, you know, yeah. it's worth your time. It's worth your money. It, you know, for $15 or $24 Canadian, like, come on. It's you know, worth like taking that's, the jump. Yeah. Like that's not, it's not like you're paying a hundred bucks and I could be like, oh yeah, but like, it's worth it. It's, it's enjoyable. And you're, and you're, and you're truly supporting the community. Yep. You know, you're not just being like, I support independent horror. Like you actually are supporting independent horror. So I yeah, think that this that's is like the most independent that it gets. Right. Like, I think that that's the difference. So that's all I really have to say on that. I don't know if you want to add more to that. No, I'll say you pretty much summed it up perfectly, but yeah, I will just say like, yeah, if these ever come around again, please just like, I'll, I'll I will share them every time I see them uh, on our Facebook page. So, like, hopefully more people will jump on board and check these out because, yeah, even 
even if it's just a bunch of bad movies, like it's 15 bucks to watch a ton of different movies. And and I don't think they'll all be bad. No, and they never, none of yeah. them will all be bad. Like that's impossible. Like there's just so many movies and so much like taste that you could have. Not all of them are going to be bad. I think yeah, you're going to, people... sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I'll say you're just going to have some hit or misses. Yeah. Or like ones that fit for you. Like Scott and I have different tastes, right? Like there's movies that he may be like, oh man, that movie is so good. And I'm like, eh, man, like, but none of them were bad. None of the ones we watched on Sunday night were bad. Right. None of them were bad. None of them were like, oh my God, what a fucking waste. They were all good. You know, it's just on your scale of good where they would stand, but entertaining, worth your time. Yeah, absolutely. And so thank you all for joining us on this wonderful journey on episode nine. Uh, so well, uh, I guess the last thing we'll add is that our next episode will be episode 10. I was just about to say, actually, like our, our first milestone, we have made it. And uh, we haven't really decided on what our topic will be just yet. But yeah. uh, like, we, like we usually do, we'll just uh, surprise you a couple days before we release the episode. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we, 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 uh, we plan spontaneously. Yeah, it's like we're trying to make us, ourselves sound mysterious. Really? We're just like, no, oh, I don't know. We have a list of topics. We actually just, you know, not that I don't want to look like we're not prepared at all. We have a list of topics. Yeah. And we kind of just float back and forth. And obviously, as time has gone on, and as you get more knowledgeable with your podcasting, our topics have changed. So it's true. We have no idea what we're going to do next. So... Yep. So it'll be interesting and a surprise to us as well. <laughs> um, Everyone will be surprised. Yes. Surprise! <laughs> Uh, so until next time unpleasant dreams unpleasant dreams